everybody, and welcome to episode 71 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, DMCA Nightmares, the mini SNES with Star Fox 2, GTA 5 top of the charts in the year of our lord 2017, and the Vin Dieseliest game you'll ever hear, Wheelman is our game of the week this week. Let's start the show. This is episode 71 of Link to the Cast. I'm your returning party host, Dave Ryan, back from my uh, my, my brief assignment, as Mark said, uh, on the show last week. I was away on my holidays in Prague, and I am joined on the line, as I am every week, by the platform prodigy himself, Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? Hi, I'm in my head now trying to see or find, or I'm looking for if I can find like an 8-bit version of like a kettle going off to kind of fit in with our guest this week, because... Uh, Usually, we, you know, we, we have motorcycle engineers playing in the background. That, but... That's that's master of the Segway, Mark Robinson, in action there. There we go. <laughs> Why are you paying me the big bucks? <laughs> well, continue your Segway then. Uh, oh, the no, I, 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 I kind of start the Segway and then fall off halfway through and then let you pick it up. Well, you just start pushing the cart off the hill and then back away and oh, take absolutely. no responsibility. Yeah, it's okay. called Brexit. It's great. Fair <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Well, yes, as Mark alluded to, we are not alone on the line this week. Uh, we have two guests joining us, not one but two. We're fortunate enough this week to be joined by returning friend of the show, Peter Willington, and uh, his uh, partner in crime, shall we say, Sam Turner. Peter, how are you first? We'll go to you. I am very well. I've done three crimes today with Sam, uh, one of which was stealing sweets from a baby. Turns out it's much more difficult. Uh, than people make out. They have a vice-like grip sometimes. They do! I couldn't believe it! <laughs> uh, Sam, how are you? <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all already at liberty to distance myself from whatever... Uh, <laughs> from whatever Peter's led yeah, me into. Yeah, he, yeah. he just came back with some Haribo and I ate it. You, um, you, have, you have crime and assault as your lead-in now and you, you've got to start strong. <laughs> Uh, this is why we just stay in so hey hey and that's uh, speaking of segues that's an excellent opportunity (laughs) sam for those who aren't aware of your work uh introduce yourself a little bit uh, tell them what you do um what as as in life or as in for the podcast i i I, i'm i'm not going to interpret my art or my questions you you just take that however you intend sam you (laughs) um uh well um i am one quarter of the Staying In podcast, uh, formerly Number One Games and Hobbies podcast Woo! on the iTunes chart. There we go. Yeah! Throw that out there. Um, and um, also in my day job, I am a, uh, a member of a uh, corporation that broadcasts uh, amongst much of Britain, uh, the United Kingdom ah. and the world. Ah, um, I see. <laughs> so that's me. So that's, that is I. That, those are the two facets of my personality. Well, we're delighted to have you on board for for the show this week, Sam. Uh, enjoy the uh, this this garbage truck as it uh, just speeds towards a cliff. Um, You've been playing Wheelman, we'll, haven't you? I, <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of like refilling the tank, changing lanes metaphors going on here throughout the show. I've got I've got a lot of them written down here hastily at the last minute. If you can um, get carjacking in somewhere, I'll be very impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, how has everybody been this week? Mark, we haven't talked on the air in, in quite some time. How have you been? Um, I mean, we don't really need to because, you know, we live together, so it kind of makes... I mean, I try to avoid talking to you most I, of the time. Like, we're just keeping up appearances yeah, here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all right. Um, I saw Radiohead. They're really good. 
newsflash. Uh, that's pretty much <laughs> been my week. I, I think the most uh, on-brand Mark Robinson tweet I've ever seen was, so Radiohead were good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bring the hot takes to, Just to succinctly this. morose. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, you know, like, I hadn't seen... It's getting really upsetting that I, I saw Arcade Fire and Radiohead uh, within the span of a week, and I hadn't seen either band in about eight years, which is just an uncomfortable amount of time to go between seeing a live act in terms of your your own perspective of, oh god, I'm getting old. Um, and I, I don't like that, and I can't stop it, and I don't like the fact that I can't stop it, and I keep having flashbacks to, um, have either of you three, or any of you three seen um, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the one um, particular episode about time um, is is particularly <laughs> haunting, and um, yes. yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, Radiohead were good. They're great. They're they're awesome. Um, and then all the hot takes on Twitter afterwards. Both them and Foo Fighters. Like I get liking music or not liking music or whatever. But there comes a point where you just see someone on Twitter is giving a take just for reactionary purposes. And I just, I can't, I'm, I'm too old for that sort of nonsense anymore. Like, there was a time where I'd be on a forum and someone would be like, oh, oh, uh, Nirvana was shit, and I'd go into a frenzy because I was a very passionate 17-year-old with my long blonde hair. But, you know, I'm I'm past it now, and I just, when I see kind of grown men giving takes like, oh yeah, Foo Fighters always shit, or uh, Radiohead, they haven't been good since 1997. And it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So so where did where did you see Radiohead? Uh, the Three Arena in Dublin. So, um, what what's always interested me is is there any difference between their sets for their fans and then a set for, let's say, at Glastonbury the other weekend? Not to say that people weren't there, weren't their fans, but I'm sure. But I've always wondered whether they play different stuff for different mm. crowds. Uh, the sets were pretty similar. Um, so. From what I can remember from both sets, uh, like um, songs like Paranoid, Android, and, and Karma Police, they were in there. Um, and I think that, that, if I remember, there was quite a bit from uh, the new album on both performances. So, and obviously, you know, Radiohead can come across as a band that won't always play the hits, although they played Creep at Glastonbury, which I didn't get, mm. but, you know, I've seen that before. Um, but there were a couple of more unusual songs, like there was a, a random song from Health of the Thief, The Gloaming, which when it started, uh, so my, my girlfriend came with me who kind of knows like 90s Radiohead and she looked at me and was like, yeah, I like it when they play the songs that I know. And yeah. even I, when they started the, the gloaming, looked at my girlfriend was like, "I I don't know why they're playing this song. This this is this is barely a concept, let alone an actual kind of three minute piece of music." Um, but for the most part, they were pretty similar. Like there was a good kind of uh, balance of of some of the older songs with stuff from uh, In Rainbows and um, Bloom, which they keep playing, and and Lotus Flower from uh, King of Limbs. So no, there, there was pretty similar track listings from what I All remember. Right. That's interesting. That's interesting. Because I always thought that... I, I don't know where I got the impression from that they were doing a bit of... When they play Glastonbury and the more sort of diverse festivals that they are catering for a more diverse crowd. Like playing like Karma Police and Paranoid Android and sticking more to the OK Computer end of their scale. Than... Yeah, they. I mean, they will always just seem to, to throw a random one in there. I mean, I've seen them 
four times now, and three of the times they've played Creep, which I never expect to happen, and I'm really, not really fussed either way at this point. Um, but no, they, they they do seem to, with, so I've talked about Reading, um, and at Reading yeah. as well, they've played a pretty kind of diverse, like a lot of the, the singles were in there, but, you know, they were playing stuff from kind of all across the board, and then, like, there'll be a random song from Kid A or uh, Amnesiac thrown in, um, and I, you know, they have enough songs in the back catalogue that they can do that. Um, so yeah, there's 10 minutes on Radiohead to kill the time. Uh, how, what have you two been up to? <laughs> um, I completed Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, this, this is an excellent segue then into our, our next feature, which is playing this week. No, oh, apologies. Um, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. no. Perfectly fine. Ooh, ooh, I, by I, all means. I, I am, before you set off on this, Nesamo, so I am about 10 hours into Horizon. I, I've proper okay. got, got into my groove now. I've got over the, I found it a really, really steep learning curve at first. Uh, especially, it, it doesn't feel like a game to me that I can pick up and put down and like, you know, only play in half hour increments. Like I really needed to get a long session in to figure it out. Mm. Um, but with that said, you've completed it now. So, what are you, what are you thinking? Um, first of all, thanks very much to Sony for sending me the um, the email congratulating congratulating me on platinuming platinuming the game, That's even cool. though I never got close to getting the platinum. Um, <laughs> but I took the free theme, which well, was a bit shit. Well, hold on, sorry, you completed the game. Sony sent you an email because they thought you'd got a platinum and yeah. you got a free nice thing at the end of it. Well, or maybe not a nice thing. You got a theme. I, got a theme. I did I, this was before this I completed thing? this this is before I completed the game. About <laughs> right. I was about twenty hours in mm. and I just got an email saying, um, well done for getting the platinum. We here at Gorilla Games and Sony love your enthusiasm, blah blah blah. Here's a free theme. Whoa. Um so yeah. And I thought, what have I done? Like, because the game, because the game's all about like your relationship with like technology and finding out where all this like technology came from, and you know, mm. kind of what happened to the old world. And I was like, what have, have I broken? Like, have I broken something? Because like it, it was getting, <laughs> I just didn't understand how I got this platinum trophy. But um, yeah, the theme's not that good anyway. But the game is is excellent and it literally is all i've done in the last week is kind of sit down and have to um to play it because as you say it's quite it is quite an intense experience and Mm. and because it's got those blends of all the best open world games that have ever been made you know bits of far cry bits of last of us um bits of monster hunter um bits of the witcher like you can if you're not careful you can spend 10 to 15 minutes like just trying to take down a big like a big machine a big beast Mm. so you do really have to put that time into it and the more especially with the combat the more time you put into it the more you study how these animals behave the better the game is like i i it took me about 15 hours to work out that there were certain animal types that protect each other so um there are these animals that are quite similar to they're almost like deer and they've got like long necks and antlers and they're just like grazing creatures. Like they will attack you if you go near them, but most they're not that 
generally that oh. aggressive. Yeah, those are the ones with like the they have the four large vials on their backs. Is that them? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's the one. But if you if you attack them, other creatures called I think they're called scrappers or something like that. Mm-hmm. They will come and protect those um, those other creatures. So like, there's this whole like evolutionary system, like how the machines interact with each other and like other machines protect other species so it's really really clever it's it's a very very smart game and it actually has got quite an interesting story and you know none of the side quests are, are sort of secondary in fact there's like there's a tertiary um uh level of side quests that are just called errands so you can very easily like just filter out right i don't need to bother with that if i don't want to because that's just an errand that's just someone wanting me to deliver something or move something from a to b um which i really liked it's it's a great game and thanks for the theme sony <laughs> does does I, the game have um like a, a monster hunter kind of feel to it or is it just you live in this world with these giant robotic animals and you have to coexist slash fight with them um there's i think it's a little bit of both i think the monster hunter comes in with the way you take them down and because the you have to learn how these creatures fight you have to analyze them you have to um sort of take them in from a distance and then think about the weapons also that you're going to use in the fight so because basically horizon kind of takes all these little like nuggets from other open world games and other big games and kind of distills them down into their sort of streamlined form. A lot of that is taken care of, of um, care of for you by the thing called the focus, which is what Aloy has, which basically scans an enemy, gives you the information, tells you their weaknesses and strengths and highlights part of their, their like armor that you can aim for. So like later on in the game, about 25 hours in, I could go into a fight, pick off the individual bits of armor of a machine um, in order to make them weak, but then they still remain like this hunking, great, massive sort of monster of metal. So you still got to take them down even from that position. Um, so I think there's there's a blend of that kind of monster hunter sort of, you know, uh, analyzing and looking at a, a uh, an enemy, but also that that sort of like existing with them as well in this ecosystem of the game. There's certainly a feeling of rather than you kind of coexisting with the the, the machines in this place, it's more like it, it's their world and it's less yeah. about coexisting and more about surviving in it, trying to get to where you're going to go without being killed. Because like you were kind of saying there, Sam, like once you start attacking something, uh, either like the herd that it's with or kind of other machines will come in and they all get super, super aggressive yeah. Um, which is something I was trying to describe to to Mark is that the, the enemies are, aren't your regular kind of aggressive when they're attacking you. It's almost like doom levels of aggression that they are just <laughs> relentlessly coming at you. Like if what, you what, don't think smart, you will die really, really quickly. Yeah. And what's clever about their design is some of them do attack you aggressively, but others attack you defensively. Mm. Um, like there's like the sort of secondary beasts, like the the long ones with the antlers and the more like cow-like ones and horse-like ones, yeah. they will attack you, but in a very defensive manner. So they kick and they punch. And they just like, the idea is just like for you to get away and and like leave them alone where others will aggressively go to actually, you know, attack you, um, which is a wonderful little, little touch. 
Yeah, and I think uh, something that's kind of in it that is reminiscent to me of Breath of the Wild this year as well, because these are the two kind of big open world games that come out so far this year, is the idea that if you kind of ramble off the path of the loose objective you've been given, uh, you can very quickly find yourself in a world of hurt. That there's no kind of, you know, the further you progress into one specific area, the more difficult it gets. Like if you go off the path about five minutes, you might find yourself outnumbered and outgunned really quickly i think about two hours into the game um i think it, it, the, there's an early quest where you have to go find uh, the city of meridian yeah and i was kind of like well i'll have a look around i might go a bit of a circuitous route rather than the way that the kind of as the crow flies uh, marker on my radar was telling me to go so i kind of rambled off to the left a little and around a hill and i found myself at a cauldron which I didn't yeah. realize at the time I had no business being near until it was way too late. And I ended up having to restore an old save <laughs> because I just couldn't get out of there without dying really quickly. It is. It is. Uh, I, I do like that kind of um, that part of it where you are kind of left to do what do what you want to do and kind of like no area is blocked off. If you can't take down an animal, you've got you've got to flee and then come back when you've got a bit more sort of you know more about how to take them down that's that's really great and and horizon actually and i'd recommend if you haven't already done this i turned off all the all the herd elements pretty much mm. so i turned off the compass and i made it so um after a certain point everything dissolves um so I was just like left with Aloy and the only like main mission marker that the only way to get rid of was just like to say I wasn't following any missions at all. So I sort of like left myself completely with this world because I kind of wanted to try and learn it in a way and get a bit more familiar with it. Because before then I played like Witcher and all I did then was just like follow dotted lines and go in directions and, yeah. you know, look at a radar. And I kind of wanted it a bit more experience. So I recommend if you haven't done that, it makes you feel a lot more part of the world like having to like check your map all the time so you always know your place within it yeah and that, that's, that, that's that's something people are more and more moving towards now trying to get a, a, as little of a hand-holding experience as possible because the, the same is a tip i got before i really dug into breath of the wild again um they, everybody said don't do it with the the full hood on go to the pro hood just walk around enjoy it you know go into the the main map and the pause menu if you're really stuck but otherwise just enjoy mm -hmm. the experience and yeah. I, I, I like that trend yeah and i think what they're doing with the dlc is a really good idea isn't is it part of it that that they that you'll be able to see a track of where you've been in the world yes There's so a, i think 200 hours or something it'll show you where you had been so and, and that's a really good idea because it's kind of horizon has a kind of the same same idea but only with like a fog of war thing like part of the maps are just fogged out if you haven't been there mm. but i like that idea of that very sort of detailed thing in breath of the wild where you actually be able to tell where you spent the most time and where you can actually go off and like encourage you to explore more like i think that's if more games can do stuff like that and less sort of pointing and directing the better that's i kind of want to go play that game now some more uh peter <laughs> peter what have you been playing um, I've been playing two games. Um, so one of them is kind of a curveball, actually. Um, it's a game called Mark McMorris Infinite Air. Um, and it came out to basically zero bomb. Um, like, I, I don't actually know anybody who's really heard of it, let alone played it. Um, 
What's it called again? It's called... I'm glad you asked, Sam. It's called <laughs> Mark McMorris Infinite Air. Um, and uh, it is... I mean, to put it bluntly, it's skate on snow. Um, so it's a, it's a snowboarding simulation game um, published by Maximum Games. And uh, the developer of it is seemingly just absolutely obsessed by getting snowboarding simulation correct to the point of I looked up a couple of reviews and there's not that many out there because again I think it just kind of got sent out to die or something I don't know but um, and all the all of the reviews all of them criticize um, the controls and yeah. so I was I'm, like I'm, I'm actually just scanning through them here now and every single one of them is mentioned in the control every single one of them mentions the controls and I was like huh and then I watched a couple of videos and I thought and and I also looked at the the um, the reviews on Steam of, of user reviews and I think Steam user reviews are really interesting because you know when Steam users aren't you know um, trolling the the reviews they're actually pretty helpful um, and they were saying basically that these user reviews were basically like, yeah, uh, don't listen to the don't listen to the press about this one. This is actually brilliant, um, but you just have to put the time in. So I was like, hmm, okay, and then uh, picked up a copy uh, secondhand and threw it in. And by gosh, it really is it is skate on snow, like to the point of like I, I don't know if you guys ever played skate uh, back in the day, but. But um, my um, sweet stealing partner in crime, Sam and I, uh, we played uh, a, lot a lot of skate. Yeah. A lot. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. It must have been hundreds of hours across skate two and three. It must have been. Look, we are part yeah. of the hashtag skate four campaign. We are fans of skate on this show. <laughs> the, the skate four movement. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, can we honestly, like, I, I would love skate four to be a thing, but I know for a fact that three years ago, uh, uh, it definitely wasn't on the table because I talked with somebody at the company and they were like, no! Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a real shame. Um, and I've been looking for a replacement ever since. Um, but, um, so, I don't know if, uh, yeah, if you guys have played it, but the control scheme for the original Skate games was so complex and it was ma- it was like a huge... Uh, uh, barrier to entry like the to to get in and start playing was actually really tough and they made it easier as the games went on but all of those the the flick controls was difficult like getting your head around the idea that this wasn't an arcade game like you didn't want to be going super fast you actually wanted to be going at a really controllable steady pace all of the time so that you could be very technical um it wasn't a game about running massive lines it was a game about uh, okay, here's one rail. <laughs> like, please play this for 45 minutes and figure it out. You know, there were days when Sam and I would just, you know, we would we would find like one spot in Skate uh, Skate Three, for example, and we would like set up like a couple of rails, like move them together, and then we would just session that area for half an hour, trying to you know outdo e- outdo each other's tricks. You know, for no real reason other than just improving the game. Um, but that control scheme is hard, and the exact same—it's the exact same thing with Mark McMorris Infinite Air, the best-named video game of all time. Who is Mark McMorris? Mark, is he a leading Mark, snowboard snowboarder? Um, yeah. He's he's a, a very young man. I think he's like 22, 23, and he's an Olymp- he's an Olympic medal gold medalist. I think I think he's a 
I don't know if he's maybe he's Canadian. Anyway, he's a he's a, an Olympic snowboarder, and he also is like a pretty big deal in the uh, like other part of the the snowboarding scene. Um, you know that sort of like chill out and just do oh, whatever X you games. want. Yeah, the X Games kind of crowd. Right? Chill out and do whatever you want. Well, I don't know these <laughs> these these disco cigarette smoking <laughs> snowboarders. <laughs> um, if, if snowboarding needs a new slogan to get the word out there, we, we've got us. <laughs> Chill out. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. The game. It, it um, is the thing with the, the naming conventions where you had, like, you, you started with Tony Hawk's skateboarding, you then had Dave Mirren BMX, and you ended up with, like, Sean Murray's wakeboarding, which was, like, oh, yeah. the complete, like, all right, we, we're pushing this to the limits now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah that, was the, what was the to... other one? Was it Skate or Die? Or... So there was a game called yeah. Thrasher before that. Thrasher, that's it. That was named Thrasher after was... a magazine, though, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thrasher was um, Thrasher was kind of like the spiritual um, predecessor to the skate series, I suppose. And in fact, actually, that's where I learned. Like, that's where I got my first like hip hop uh, like music knowledge. Like, it had an amazing soundtrack, Thrasher. Like, absolutely incredible. Um, like, just to get a rep. Oh, amazing. Anyway, um, so uh, so Mark McMorris, Infinite Air. Um, uh, yeah, so. It's great, and the control scheme is brutal, like, like absolutely astonishingly. Holy cow! Uh, I, I put an hour into the game, and uh, do you, you know, feel like you're playing a David Cage game with the controls? No, I feel no, no, because uh, with, with David Cage's controls, it feels sort of like a sort of wobbly tank, whereas. Um, <laughs> With, it, with instantly, air. if there was a Willem Dafoe snowboarding game, yeah. uh, tell me where I can pre-order that. Yeah, absolutely, there's a match made in heaven, isn't it? Really, um, <laughs> I was the Green Goblin, and now I do snowboarding. Um, so, uh, is that right? Did he do? Yes, that? Was he the Green Goblin. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh boy, was he! <laughs> uh, um, so, um, no. So the, the controls are bang on, like. They are some of the best snowboarding controls I've ever played. It's just we the the most successful snowboarding game was SSX, right? And yeah. Cool Borders before that, and those were quite arcadey experiences. Yeah. So when so like when I'm playing uh, Infinite Air, um, and you're going at a speed that's not that that, that is not quite quite as controllable as it should be. Like if you if you do a sharp left. You are gonna, you know, you are gonna be sh- turning really sharp. Like if you're carving, you are gonna be just, you know, facing the other direction. If you're bombing it down a hill. So again, the game is about being slow. It's about, it's about being methodical. It's about like half of the, the game has this really good explanation of how uh, grinding works, which is like, it says, it says like, getting onto a rail is a multi-stage process. Part of this is line it up and make sure that you're lined up way ahead of time because just kind of like coming at a rail from you know a, a, a you know almost like almost 90 degree angle you're going to jump right over it or you're going to flick on like you know you're going to f- catch a board on it or whatever um it's not mucking about at all with its simulation of snowboarding and all of that all of that gents is absolutely fantastic and when i'm just playing it to Fanny around on snow. It is delightful. Um, the problem is that that game has zero direction. Like the game gives you a tutorial, and then it goes, "Cool, 
and then it just drops you on a mountain and goes bye <laughs> <laughs> like, like just and, chill out do what you want chill out yeah, do yeah, what exactly. you want. and like and part of me feels like that is a real commitment to the uh, chill out do what you want ethos of snowboarding um but but the other part of me is like I shouldn't have had to go and look up an FAQ to find out that if I press the options menu, um, options, I can go into a menu. And then if I go to something called circuits, then there's a series of small, like very short series of um, sort of objectives to try and hit. Like very, very, like very, very few of them. Um and then also it's like, oh, by the way, you can also build your own mountain and, and put whatever uh, objects and stuff like like in it. Do whatever you want with that. Like you can build your own mountain, build your own run, share it online, like create your own lines with other users, hang out in other spaces. But the game just doesn't tell you any of this stuff. It just dumps you on a mountain and then sort of like wanders off. And It essentially you know. sounds like a... a- snowboarding sandbox game which i like dave you yeah. have steep if i'm correct There's, i was actually just gonna say i was getting a bit of deja vu there because i think peter's hit both his high spots since we got on the call with him before we were ta- before we got on the air here we were talking about how once again the gym had killed him and i think last time he was on the show we were talking about steep yeah so sure. we've got snowboarding both times as well and uh yeah like steep is a game that like I want to like it more than right. I do. Like I, I'm perfectly content with it, but there's just, and I think we said this last time, Peter, when we were talking about it, is there's something missing from it. So, what I, so I, 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 what I played of Steep, what I found missing from it was any sense of like danger. Like it just felt mm-hmm. like, it felt like that kind of game where you could just like throw yourself off of a cliff and and you know land a 1080 stale fish and it'd be absolutely fine and no bother whatsoever and and because of that when you go back to games like tony hawk's pro skater you realize that those games are great because they're not really extreme sports games they're kind of they're kind of score-based platforming games where where it's all about your mastery not of a skateboard but of the controller whereas Whereas, and, and I think Steep is the same. I think it it, le- it leans a little bit too much into SSX without actually being SSX. Whereas Steep is also trying to say, oh, it's this big, big mountain. And you can hang out with your friends and do all this amazing stuff. And it's proper snowboarding and stuff like that. But it's like, no, it's like it's not a realistic depiction of snowboarding whatsoever. Whereas with Infinite Air, it, the game is like, this is a realistic depiction of snowboarding. And like, if you're not prepared to put hours into this, you won't be able to land us 360, like let alone, you know, some, you know, mad corkscrew with a method. Is this is this sounding genuine? Do I sound like a? Do I <laughs> those, sound like a snowboarder? Those, those sounds like sound like words. They yeah. sound like real things. Yeah. yeah. So um, I really love it because I love extreme sports games and I love I really love skate. Um, so I'm really really enjoying it, uh, but. <laughs> My God, like, yeah, some of it, that that sort of lack of direction is a real shortcoming. And the other thing is, like, there's slight sort of, like, technical hiccups every now and again. It's not it's not too bad, but, like, there's every once in a while, it, like, the game will just sort of stutter. And you're like, this is a game where timing is, is everything. And you've just missed three frames. And now I'm in the floor. And now I'm sad. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yes, so I've been playing that. And I've also been playing 
Wipeout. Let's talk about Mark. Wipeout, please. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh. Wipeout, right? Right? Yeah, I just... This game, um, the, the first time you, you boot it up, and, like, they know how good this game looks, because um, in the kind of pre-menu menu bit... Uh, they have just like kind of camera cuts of different parts of the environments, and it looks at points like you're like looking at unreal arenas. There's these lights just kind of flinging all over the place, and everything's glowing, and it's just there's just detail all around in a way that like I love um, F Zero, but what makes F Zero work is that certainly for like the N sixty four N Zero, and even to a large degree the GameCube one is like everything is stripped down to just give the kind of quickest experience possible mm. and you know we're talking about games that are 10 20 years old in 2017 we can offer a 60 fps experience and also include all this detail and that is what wipeout does uh, and does so well in terms of yep. giving a sense of speed and velocity but also giving all these kind of background environments that you don't have the time to actually have a look at, but, you know, if you watch someone else play it, you can actually look around and say, oh, look, there's buildings over here. Oh, there's someone's guarding on top of this hotel in the middle of the sky. Oh, my God. Um, it's just, like, if you've ever played Wipeout and like Wipeout, then, you know, there's no reason to not at least have a look at this, but um, it just it just feels and flows and it's just you know if you want to think of what the, the kind of quote-unquote definitive wipeout experience mm. uh yeah they they've absolutely nailed this to a t yeah i mean like and it, there's so much content in there like i just finished the 2048 season uh the three seasons in 2048 um and got to the end of that nowhere near elite past any of it which is like this like you have completed it properly uh, version of completing each of the stages. It's like so a managed... platinum medal after the gold. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and I'm happy with, I mean, to be honest, uh, with some of the courses, I'd be happy with bronze. Um, and like, but I've managed to get through all of those. Uh, there, it also includes the HD content and the Fury content, which, I mean, is just stunning. And, though, and the HD game feels very different to 2048 in terms of it like the craft feel really heavy yeah which which is great uh, and the craft uh, the the well, the tracks feel like different as well it, in 2048 like the courses are very open and wide and very much reflective of the uh you know the safety in the in, in the fiction of the sport um uh, uh, you know like it, it feels like a an evolution of formula one um whereas like with, with wipeout hd which is further down the sort of uh, wipeout canon timeline uh yes there is one um like that is much more um uh, like the tracks feel like corridors at times like you can maybe get two crafts side by side at, at some points and it feels incredibly dangerous and um like rebellious and uh, like say yeah like heavy um so like those things all feel really just masterful and remind you why wipeout is amazing and then they have this no nonsense we are not mess like messing around uh like online mode which is rock solid i've like just amazingly rock solid and that is super important for a game where 
you know, three hundredths of a second is is going to be the difference between you winning gold and you 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 know you not. We played um, for what like an hour and a half, two hours the other night, yeah, and not yeah. one technical hiccup not, at all. Yeah, it was just beautiful, and like, and also setting it up, it doesn't give you all of this faff of like, uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't try and overcomplicate its multiplayer mode. It's like right, set up a lobby, get your friends in, choose a track, choose the setup, go, and. And it's you know it's it's quick, uh, it's it's just it's just perfect. It's it's an absolutely beautiful collection of three utterly stunning games. And that um, special case edition, the uh, the PS One. Oh my beautiful. god, <laughs> it, it's amazing! It's amazing, and it's like it's just this. Sony seems to be doing this at the moment, like with you know with this lovely theme that you got sent, Sam. Uh, mm. You know you know like you get you know it's that it's that reward. It's the we're going to try and. We're going to try and appeal to our players and give something a little bit back. Where, where, you know, whether or not it's a it's a crappy theme, or you know, by saying we get you, you loved Wipeout. We ain't going to do another one, but we'll totally do this collection and bung all of this amazing content into it. Oh, and by the way, wink and a nod. Here's here's the PlayStation One box that that it would have come in. It's I was going to say, is this like the last? Is this like it for Wipeout? Oh yeah. I mean, like, I mean, so this is. So this is Omega Collection, and it basically um, uh, it's basically the full stop because Studio Liverpool's gone, yeah. so they're not making Wipeout anymore. Um, Wipeout sort of its heyday was really the original PlayStation, and its sales have just gone down and down and down. Uh, and 2048 was unfortunately the nail in the coffin because. The game that came out before that was HD and Fury, and that came out on PS3 as downloadable, and downloadable still were like okay, but not doing brilliantly. On the PlayStation 3 as an exclusive, and the PlayStation 3 didn't really take off uh, when it came out. And then 2048 was a flagship launch for the Vita, uh, and obviously didn't do amazingly either. And so, you know, Studio Liverpool was like, bye. Um, and I don't think Sony's got faith in like a brand new game. So this is it, basically. It's it's like from here on, like it's well, go play Red Out or F Zero if they do another one, you know. There's always Roll Cage. There is always Roll Cage. <laughs> oh my gosh, Extreme G. Extreme G. Oh my god. Did you guys ever? Did you guys ever play G Surfers? No. What? No. Do you remember? Do you remember G? So G Surfers was I oh, was amazing. I remember reading about it in uh, official PlayStation Two magazine, and then playing the demo of it. Of course, thinking, this was oh. a PlayStation Two game. Of course, it was. Um, the, the the classic era of we can do anything. Um, <laughs> G Surfers was a game where um, the idea was <laughs> it said the entire you can drive over the entirety of Earth. That was the that was the the unique thing and basically what they did is they sort of modeled earth and all of its like uh up up and downy bits like mountains <laughs> they modeled it really roughly and then it didn't really matter because they just put a track over the top of it that didn't really respond to the court to the world anyway it was all floating in the middle of the air so it was like this is this is this is pointless but it was amazing gr what a, a short-lived rubbish uh sort of extreme g game it was great oh so good uh i've been having one of those weeks where instead of trying to start something new i'm trying to clear off the backlog uh, and yeah. i think 
I, I went into E3 a couple of weeks ago with, I don't really think there's anything coming out towards the end of this year I'm interested in. And by the end of E3, I'm having mild palpitations and <laughs> the amount of stuff I'm going to be playing, particularly around October 27th, yeah. um, when we have, what is it, Wolfenstein, Shadow of War and Mario all out within about a week and a half. Uh, so I think I said I think it's time to chip away at the backlog. So I I hit I finished off one that has been sitting for I don't know how long uh, on my backlog waiting to be cleared, and I finished Life is Strange for the first time. Nice. And it it really got me thinking, uh, and I think I'm gonna like write an article for the, the website about this, articulating my thoughts a bit better when I've had time to ruminate on it um, more. But it. It, it got me thinking about it. it's one of those times in playing a video game where I, I think this game is better because it's a video game um, and wouldn't have been as good as like a, a teen melodrama TV show or a young adult movie or something like that. I think I was so affected by some of the things that are happening in that game purely because I was making the choices I was in the world and it forced me to be less passive about it than I would have been if I was watching it. Uh, have you guys, Peter and Sam, I know you haven't played Life is Strange. You've just watched me play it, Mark, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I. as we've had uh, the conversation many times, um, I really like what Life is Strange is, but I've always been an... Like, I, I, I'm disappointed with myself to a certain degree that I am so inclined this way, but I've always been gameplay before narrative, and I'm having this issue with Night in the Woods at the moment, where it's and because I, I love everything about the way Night in the Woods is in this story, but it's so not gameplay driven that I'm just like I'm, yeah. I can't, my attention span doesn't last. Yeah, because you you wouldn't even you, you wouldn't even play the Telltale games back before they were kind of almost regularly on fire when they came out. No, like, you no. just weren't interested. <laughs> no, because there wasn't enough gameplay involved there. But uh, I'll throw it to, to you guys, uh, Peter and Sam. Have you guys played Life is Strange? What 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 are your kind of thoughts on it? Like, because I'm I'm sitting here nearly a week after I finished it, and the the ending of this game is still kind of with me. Particularly, kind of maybe the last two episodes as a whole where. Mm. The, the whole thing starts off it's it's kind of life is strange is an interesting title for it it should be kind of like life is miserable and it gets worse is probably a more accurate description because <laughs> it starts off like with some real creepy dark shit and it just gets it like every time you think it can't get worse for the people involved it just keeps getting worse mm. uh, so w- what do you guys what are your thoughts where are you on life is strange um, no i've not played it it's um it's sitting in my playstation plus library yeah, <laughs> that great that great bin of um, yep of, of thing things I'll get around to. I'll play that one day. Yeah, I'll play I'll play the witness. I won't. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, I've played it, completed it, loved it. Um, without without spoiling too much. Um, uh, so we're we're going to sort of play a game of spyfall now where I'll give just enough information <laughs> to, to so that you know what I'm talking about but the others won't. Uh we're on the spaceship. Uh the basically the the I got really bored in episode uh I think the end of episode 3. I was kind of like all right Teenagers have problems. I get it, right? Yeah. Like it there, sucks there, going to school, right? I get, like I get this. There, there um, are a lot of moments of people lying in bed, staring at ceilings while acoustic guitar plays, where you're just like, 
is this really what I want to be doing on my my Saturday playing absolutely. this? Absolutely. Um, but the the closing moments of episode four and uh, the opening moments of episode five are some of the bravest storytelling. Not because it's not because it's like extreme it's not yeah. like gratuitous in any way yeah but because you are given an explanation by a character that attempts to justify some pretty dark shit yeah and the justification as somebody who is interested in art the justification is interesting morally reprehensible I'll, I'll couch all of this so that people aren't like oh i'm gonna turn this podcast off this <laughs> um, like, so you've been saved by talking about how he committed crimes and he's advocating all <laughs> yeah. sorts of things it's, you've been saving this you can't do it on your own podcast come on to another podcast <laughs> yeah get confess. it all out um but what he talks about <laughs> you you begin to understand his point and if not sympathize, certainly not sympathize, at least you are able to somehow rationalize his train of thought. There's an internal logic. Yes, there's yeah. absolutely an internal logic. And when you start to think, yeah, that makes sense, you take a step back and real and remember what he's been doing. Yeah. And it is disturbing and it really it lingers like it's a game that really i mean the ending of that game is like like the actual ending of that game is fine the sort of ending moments uh sequences that run up to the ending are, are okay a little bit drawn out um and a, a little bit obvious in places but but that that uncovering of evil is genuinely uh yeah like just i i thought about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and yeah. Yeah, and the decisions that you make afterwards, like the, the how you can, you know, what the game is saying about justice is really interesting as well after after the revelations of it. It's, yeah, everything about that game is, uh, and, and its story at that point is, is absolutely fascinating. And they even justify, what I love about Life is Strange, they even justify some of the corny dialogue. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, oh, yeah very smart. Yeah, taken as a whole, I think like the moment for, and again, I'll try and parse my words here so that only Peter gets what I'm talking about or sure. people who play the game. But from that moment of the discovery in the barn yeah. to the end, taken as an arc, I think is like without looking at, because like you said, there are individual components of it that if you focus too heavily on them, yeah, they're, they can be a bit drawn out or a bit kind of, you can see where this part is going, that sort of thing. Um, but taken as a whole arc, it's incredibly absorbing and well-written. And like you said, that that kind of end of episode four, start of episode five, realization of what's actually been going on as opposed to what you thought was going on yeah. is just, th that's, it's haunting, I think is, is, is a good word to go with it. And yeah. it, as well as kind of um, talking about things like a narrative about justice and and friendship and and things like that and love even um it, it's also there there's interesting things it says about like choice and free will because yeah. you know with the the whole time mechanic the how much you really are or aren't affecting things and whether you actually even should go back in time and sneeze on the pterodactyl 
uh, sort of, <laughs> that sort was, of that really came out of so nowhere. So there's dinosaurs in, like, in it. Oh, yeah. so many dinosaurs! It's actually a prequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I did not see that coming. But uh, yeah, it's just it, it. It talks about so much stuff that I. I think I'm going to have to either replay the end of it, rewatch the end of it, because I, I. I am, like I said, still thinking about it days later, yeah. and it. It might not be for everyone. Like uh, the 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 kind of marks of the world who are very much gameplay over narrative which I think is why myself and Mark doing this podcast it works well as a tandem because I'm someone who always seeks out interesting things games are doing with narrative structures and storytelling that really really fascinates me because I, I kind of like I grew up on the the you know gameplay 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 story is really secondary kind of games yeah, and yeah. now I'm kind of interested in going oh what can video games say as a medium um, it, as, as a storytelling medium should I say yeah um, and yeah, this one in particular is going to be with me for a long while. And I think if I had played it back at the time uh, it came out, this would have been one of my games of the year when it came out. Just in terms of, it's not the, like I said, because the, there are very few gameplay elements to it. It's it's more just as an experience, as something that kind of just I was thinking about for a long, long time afterwards. Um, it's, it's just, it, I can't recommend it enough. Um fantastic game um so yeah that's playing this week over with we'll move on to uh what is happening in the world of gaming today with the news news on the mark okay in the news this week there are uh, a lot of kind of um bright and breezy happy things to talk about so i'm gonna get the kind of the big weighty news story out of the way this week and this is one i've been kind of trying to play catch up on all day today and i feel i I, we kind of need to because it's a big story that has kind of implications for people who are trying to somehow eke out uh an income in the the kind of gaming online or gaming on youtube space i feel it's something we should address especially considering it has drawn a friend of the show into it in as a side effect it's it's a very very strange story uh is anybody uh has anybody over the last four or five days i think it's been going on following the star mazer dsp saga it's been going on yes Yes. i'm aware of it okay no idea what this is Okay, so I have pieced together. Oh my God, Peter! <laughs> yeah, Get, I, I strap myself in. Yeah, All right, here we go. <laughs> I, I, I have taken out. You have no idea because I have written this down. This timeline of events because <laughs> it is, it is so convoluted. The things that have been happening over the last five days, and there is so much. People have been doing so many videos and articles and publishing so many hitherto confidential documents about things that I, I really did have to spend. Mark will tell you, I spent some time down in the kitchen today typing and trying to figure out what was actually going on at the bottom of this. So this whole story centers around a video game music composer by the name of Alex Maurer, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, who uh, worked on contract for a company called Imigo Software on a game called Star Mazer DSP, which is kind of like uh, a roguelike sci-fi shmup. It's, it's on Steam. Um, I don't know if it's just an early access or it's fully released now at this point. Um, Maurer got into a dispute over her compensation for which she was supposed to be paid a monthly flat fee until the completion of her contract. For reasons that are still private, 
Uh, Maurer and Imigos parted way before the scheduled end of the contract's term. The crucial point to remember, as I kind of talk about this a little bit more, that uh, in details that have been made public since throughout this whole shitstorm, uh, the ability for Imigos to walk away from the contract that they had with Maurer, uh, with all rights of the music composed to that point being intact for them to use, was written specifically into her contract. So they had written a clause, if for whatever reason the whole agreement fell apart, whatever music had been composed until that separation was theirs by right because they had paid for it in advance. Her contract specifically stated her status as being work for hire, work for hire meaning everything she was doing was theirs by right. Right. Uh, Maurer herself then contends that the contract was for Star Mazer, not the game that is now released called Star Mazer DSP, which she believes means the rights for the music revert to her personally. Even though Imigo's, their side of the argument is the contract specifically says Star Mazer and all Star Mazer related intellectual property. Right. Instead of pursuing legal action, Maurer went onto YouTube and began issuing DMCA strikes on any YouTube channel featuring footage of the game, including, but certainly not limited to, friend of the show and past guest Jupiter Hadley. Uh. So, for those of you who don't know, DMCA is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, and it's theoretically a way for copyright holders to kind of protect their IP against misuse. But because YouTube don't actually use legally enforced DMCA policies, but rather an automated system based on the model of the DMCA. This has led to a long history as anybody who kind of follows the gaming and YouTube space of some developers trying to use it to silence fair use videos that say things about their game they do not like. Crucially because YouTube doesn't use DMCA but uses it as a model, there are no legal repercussions to make a false copyright claim which would be fraud under the legally enforced model. In the case of Maurer, who insofar as anyone knows is not the copyright holder of this music at all, she admits in several emails that she is deliberately weaponizing the DMCA system on YouTube to leverage money from Imigos by creating public pressure on them, kind of trying to get people with their torches and pitchforks to knock down Imigos' door. YouTube uh, takes DMCA strikes seriously, as kind of anyone who'd follow it will tell you. They have a three strikes and you're out policy banning channels with three DMCA strikes active on them. Because it's an automated system, it's very rare to hear of strikes being overturned or YouTube wading in to protect channels. Jim Sterling is a notable exception to that, who he actually at this point, because he's had so many DMCA strikes from shady developers, now has YouTube's protection from DMCA strikes against his channel. (laughs) For smaller channels that struggle to make a living, three strikes is a disastrous prospect. The Once you get a strike, that video is immediately demonetized until the strike is resolved one way or the other. And if you get three, your channel is completely wiped out. And if you don't have the contact Jim Sterling does, it's very rare for YouTube to actually manually look at your DMCA strike because it is, again, an automated system. Yeah. In response, this is where it gets really, really super weird now. In response to being asked by gaming consumer advocate channel Sid Alpha to compromise uh, and not threaten creators' livelihoods, she refused, stating again her intention to leverage the swelling anger and fear against Imigos. In this email exchange as well she goes on to insult people who try to make a living saying uh, people who make a living off playing games it's not a real job uh, which has definitely uh, yeah which has definitely uh curried a lot of favor as you can imagine in the community uh what ensued has been a massive shitstorm. it should be noted that before this was even made public as a seeming show of goodwill imigos had taken the game down off steam to remove the music until the dispute was settled 
As mentioned, Imigos released redacted portions of Maurer's contract to show that her claims had no legal basis and the strikes were not their doing. Following a lot of coverage from the likes of Jim Sterling, Sid Alpha, Total Biscuit, a load of other people on YouTube who are kind of known for the kind of YouTube consumer advocacy sort of um, space in gaming. Uh, Maurer received a lot of harassment, which all of the aforementioned have condemned in the strongest possible terms. People shouldn't be harassing people on the internet, even if they have misguided actions like Maurer has had. Yeah. That should go without saying. She has responded by threatening Imagos. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. yeah uh, sending, a string, sending a string of increasingly rambling emails to the people covering the scandal, eventually leading to death threats being weighed against Sid Alpha in particular from Maurer personally. Um, the whole situation has, at time of recording, not been resolved and led to genuine concern about Mara's apparent spiraling mental state because in recent emails, as of about, I think, eight hours before recording, her last death threat that she sent to Sid Alpha also included a threat of self-harm as well and people are kind of genuinely worried that she's not... Um, her mental state is is quite a concerning issue at, at the moment. Um, but I'm kind of, I, I bring this up and I talked to Jupiter Hadley earlier on today. I, I, I DM'd her on Twitter and she's kind of, she's stressed and busy as you might imagine trying to get uh, in touch with the likes of Total Biscuit and Sid Alpha to get YouTube to help her out because she makes her living off her Patreon and her YouTube channel and doesn't need this kind of stress potentially shutting her YouTube channel down because she had covered it and she was getting CC'd in all these emails you can go onto Jupiter's website and I will leave a link in the show notes to the article she wrote where she basically went through in as sensitive a manner as possible all the things she had been sent because like I said all these emails that were going to Sid Alpha and the like all these people that were getting DMCA strikes were being CC'd on this email chain that was going around. And she has kind of written a big article saying that, you know, let's not harass people, which is correct. You should not fucking harass people, no matter how right or wrong they are. Um, but trying to explain to uh, Alex Murray directly in as nice a possible way that she is being really, really misguided using possibly legally suspect methods to leverage money out of people that legally it doesn't sound like she can get any money out of well well i mean just just on that like I, I, and i'm not a lawyer <laughs> believe it or not i'm a sweet thief but um if you uh if 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 the con if the if all of that is you know if and we have to uh, I hope that all of this, you know, everything that's come out is is genuine and all that sort of stuff. And there are other people in play, but taking all of those facts on face value, um, sh this this composer doesn't stand have a leg to stand on legally, like no at no. all. Like there's there's that would her you know claim would be thrown out of a court of law, and and then all of these additional actions and also threatening emails like that that all of that stuff would build up to be. Mm. A, a really, really, I, th I think she would very much struggle in a court of law to to yeah. to get paid, let alone, you know, to get her stuff back. Yeah, like they, luckily because it's not a legally enforced method of DMCA that YouTube uses, she's not opened herself up to fraud allegations, which is what would be the case. <sighs> if it was legal but she still does have to like if this stuff as you said peter if all, all these emails um were to come in front of a court of law it, uh, to me it, it's quite possible that a case of extortion could be brought against her by imigos for oh, trying yeah. to kind of turn public sentiment against them to 
get money out of them. It, it just it baffles me that in 2017, and you know, everyone that has um, reactionary moments where they do things and I don't think about it, but if you send an email to another person, that email does not just belong to you and that other person. There, there is this f- wonderful thing called the internet, and it can immediately mm-hmm. go out there and be shown that you are uh, being uh, aggressive or, or um, just approaching you know this in the wrong manner. And we, you've brought up Jim Sterling, and he's the, the, the perfect example with the uh, case he had um, that was with the Romains. With the Romains, yeah. And it's like that should be a kind of textbook example, textbook example of how to not go about any kind of proceedings when it comes to, to YouTube yeah. content. Um, yeah. And like I, I get that if you make something and you feel you have some sort of right or initiative, but yeah, you are very passionate about it. I get that. Um, and if you have maybe not had much uh, in terms of kind of contractual negotiations or just worked with contracts that much, if you're kind of new to that side of things, I get that you can maybe miss out on small details or not kind of finalize well, on details or whatever. What, another one of the interesting things that, like, throughout this email chain, at one point, um, she claimed to be a member of the Bar Association in Pennsylvania or Washington State. I can't remember what state she said she was from. And someone looked that up because there actually is a searchable engine of people who are <laughs> certified on the bar in different states. And this was not the case at all. It will it will oh. not shock you. So it like it's it's just it's really really strange. And like I said before, because I, I want to ask Sam his thoughts on this, but I just want to reiterate again that like we would wish no ill will on anybody. And I hope at the end of the day, however misguided her this whole situation was, that Alex Mauer like she's okay. Yeah, because sure. some yeah. of these some of these emails, if you look at like you guys check this article out later on that Jupiter Hadley has put up and check out the, the videos Sid Alpha has been doing out like some of these things that she was saying were legitimately kind of worrying I've been back and forth all day as to whether I was going to even talk about it but it's it, in terms of the, the YouTube side of things I think it was too important not to mention but Sam you said you've been kind of uh, keeping up on this story to some extent what, what are your thoughts on the, the whole thing? Um, a, little, a little of the light here and the blame has to be shown on YouTube don't you think? Oh yeah, oh, um, <laughs> on, yeah. I think that <laughs> Over the last years, they've been slowly squeezing and squeezing the income of people trying to make a living off their platform and slowly giving all the power to the um, to the people who hold the purse strings, basically, and, and giving them um, just how easy it is for someone to take down someone else's video uh, with no a little or no proof of um, IP infringement or anything and then it's and then it's up to the person who has been um uh sort of issued with the strike to prove their innocence which i Mm. think is again i'm no lawyer but i think that's the american way around it in this country i think the onus is on the person issuing the strike to prove yeah the burden of proof should always be on the the accuser in these kind of cases yeah i think i think it works the other way around in america which i think uh, I'm, but I'm not too clocked. But anyway, and then it's the the recent move from YouTube to uh, uh, allow advertisers um, basically to not advertise on people's products if they contain things like violence or war, or which to people who are making videos about um, video games is a very sort of well, that's like seventy percent of you know um, mm. games out there. If you if you're making videos of Call of Duty or or Battlefield you're screwed um and i think slowly as youtube has kind of been signed of 
turning the screw in this regard and limiting people's income, but maximizing the way that those who already have the control and have all the money, um, we're, we're probably just going to see more of this abuse of, of the system. And unfortunately, people who are trying to make their living, like, um, is, is YouTube slowly sort of like dying? Is it just becoming like, because it used to be like a fantastic hotbed for people just to do their own thing and create their own thing. But the more and more I'm hearing now, the less and less people are actually making, we, being able just to becoming, make off I the think, service. I, yeah, just I think it's a case that when you're, yeah, when you're when you're so far out in front as a platform, like I know there's there's different platforms like Vimeo and stuff like that, but like the YouTube is so far distantly the number one in terms of video streaming like that uh, on the internet. When you're so far out in front, you lose the kind of constant desire to innovate that put you in that place, mm. and you kind of just spin your wheels a bit and kind of from up on top things may not seem broken so why try to fix them um, i think the thing as well like because youtube is, sets in. youtube is what mm. 10 11 12 years old now uh 12 yeah 2005 i think and we are still even at this point we're in this constant age of the unknown when it comes to uh like digital content and rights and who owns what and it's it's partially yet yeah, well, youtube take blame for a whole bunch they do but there is also partially yeah. like none of us knows what the hell we're doing with any of this and well like you, it's the, a it's a action reaction thing where you kind of poke one thing and then well, a million other things happens as a part of it and again well, now youtube take a lot of the blame for like the way that this is, has come to the the situation that's come to light the problem here is that like the dmca actually does make it fairly clear what is and isn't someone's intellectual property. But the problem is having an automated system like YouTube does means that there's no system to check. Is the person complaining the person that actually owns the copyright? Secondly, is the person making a justifiable claim? You know, it, it's be and thirdly, because it's not an actual legally binding DMCA policy, people can just make claims willy-nilly and there are actually no repercussions whatsoever so, for making a copyright claim so um i think a huge part of youtube's problem is that there's no there's no uh, there's no accountability and that's a real frustration for people who are content creators yeah. so back in my previous job when i was a um uh dirtbag video games journalist um i did a lot of stuff on youtube and we, um, when I took over the, uh, the, the running of the channel, um, first thing I did was, was go into the, the back end and look at the settings and stuff like that. And I noticed that we'd had like a hundred copyright claim notifications and nobody had dealt with them. And we'd had like people, you know, and, and that's a serious, serious enough problem for people who are trying to make money off of it, off of a channel, because it basically means that somebody else gets to claim the money that you would earn for that channel. Uh, for that for that video content um the issue that we found or certainly that i found at the time was that you would you would get one of these bogus claims so say for so we had a we had um we had a video preview of 2008 smash hit java game uh sims or something like that some some rubbish and the music that came with it 
was a track by a label called Ninja Tune, who are great, genuinely brilliant label. But the, there was music playing over the top of it. And so we were like, oh, okay, that's weird, because um, that's part of the game. Well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll counterclaim. And then... You know, then you get then you get this horrible back and forth, back and forth, back and forth of well, no, legally, you know, Ninja Tune owns this music. Like you're able to stream the, you're able to put the game up, but we still own all of the music, so we now get to have all of your ad money, which is unfair. Yeah. But so then I was like, I am not letting these, uh, these, uh, you know, music rights holders i'm not letting them do that to our to our channel so i was like right okay i'm gonna get in touch with youtube like have either of you three ever had an email address for like like youtube like how do you get in touch with them if you go to the contact us page it's like here's a form uh, sorry it's not even a form it's an faq it's like you go and you're like okay i've got this problem and they're like yeah that sometimes happens hmm. you know and so so you end up in this situation where you're like well ha- who how am I meant to get in touch with YouTube? Did you try what, it? What? YouTube at gmail.com? Right. So, <laughs> so, so what I ended up doing was um, uh, I spent four hours on Google essentially playing Stalker. <laughs> and uh, uh, with a combination of Twitter and Google, I was able to find the email address of like three YouTube employees. <laughs> and so I got in touch with them and said, hi, I know this is nothing to do with you. But I'm trying to get in touch with your uh, your complaints department, and there's no email anywhere. Who do I talk to? Two of them ignored me, and one of them clearly forwarded it on. And then I got this email back from someone saying, "Yeah, we're not going to do anything about anything about this." <laughs> and it's like, yeah. and and so 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 it's like that automated system is fine. But that automated system, if I were to then make a counterclaim against it, there needs to be somebody sat there going, "Oh, actually, yeah, this is bullshit." Like, because otherwise, as a content creator, like, I was lucky in that I was being paid by Steel Media. But if if that was my money, like, if I put poured my heart and soul into that video, and I would, I you know, that was keeping a, a roof over my head and bread on my table, I I'd, I'd be thinking to myself, well, I should jack this in now because my yeah. my my it's so easy for extortion to happen see and the yeah. thing i wonder with this is that on on youtube side of it like how many claims and then counterclaims i mean you think about how many videos go up on youtube every yeah. second you know absolutely yeah. it's an obscene number and because there's it, no way that youtube can yeah. moderate every single claim and counterclaim. they don't they know they, they literally well, don't they, they don't they obviously don't. yeah <laughs> yeah they don't have anybody they literally don't have one single person as human oversight on the copyright strike system and that's half of the problem and you like, see the, like if you've seen about the, the articles with facebook and what they have to try and do in terms of moderating facebook and yeah. the, the grim like horror trash yeah. fire that is that um yeah. and and like just, there'll be people yeah. there are people who say like there's so much traffic we can't do it but at the same time you're the fucking platform form holder come up with better answers than yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's yeah. too yeah. hard oh, yeah. absolutely you know and like it's it's hilarious that in this day and age the best way around this copyright strike system jim sterling found which was if one if there's going to be someone you think is going to put a DMCA copyright strike against you, the best thing you can do is insert another IP from an equally litigious copyright holder because they will then deadlock each other, tie each other up in knots, and your video won't get claimed. 
Brilliant. So, for example, anytime Jim Sterling does a video that involves footage from that would be claimed automatically, because some of these big companies have like automatic processes for doing these copyright claims. Yep. So if Nintendo, Capcom, Konami, and I can't remember what the other one he said, maybe Sega are ones that religiously copyright strike his page, he will put if if his video contains any footage from them, he will also put in footage of Erasure's Chains of Love. Because <laughs> That will also get a copyright strike from whatever the parent company that owns Erasure's music is, Sony or whoever. And that will deadlock the two strikes against each other and his video will remain monetized. And the fact that that is the only practical solution to get around this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's... The whole thing's a mess. And it's it's quite clearly open to abuse. Yeah. Like that, that, and that's the issue. Like, if if you know, if everybody was lovely and and we all you know got on and uh, and did whatever, that would be fine. But yeah, like people can take advantage of the system, and that is not a healthy environment for creative people to do their best work. Yeah, like I, I this is the, the YouTube have adopted the the snowboarding approach to it. Chill out, do whatever you want. <laughs> Letting the inmates run the asylum. And it's, it, this is what, like, there are so many prominent creators that like we covered on the show before, the likes of PewDiePie, big gaming YouTubers now are talking about leaving the platform. Uh, well, because he's been threatening that for like a year now at this point, surely. Well, he has, he has started to move his primary revenue streams away from YouTube. Like, he's doing a weekly Twitch show and a bunch of different stuff. And a lot of people are following that sort of pattern. Yeah, and well, I, don't, I mean, you know, the thing is, with, with him and, and the likes, like, they have their platform, they're fine, you know, yeah, however they want to go about it but for yeah. the the smaller uh yeah that's YouTube what the danger counts. in this that's what the the moral of this story is and why i brought it up like because it was particularly intense when i found that jupiter someone we've talked to and i have quite a good rapport with was caught up in all this like she makes her bones off her youtube channel and things like that on her patreon and, and like, if her and, channel gets closed down she's in she could be in real trouble for all we know like i don't know her like, actual finances or anything like that but like, you know like, it's terrible especially jupiter like she is you know a really uh she 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 is a great asset to the indie community yep. because mm -hmm. she plays games that other people just do not give a shit about and it, she finds gems and that's like that's brilliant like her her job is is encouraging um smaller developers and indie communities and people who are making jam uh, jam games encouraging that and being positive and saying you know like saying like here's here's this first bit of coverage for your game like you know creating that little little bit of uh, you know tinder fire you know that that just sparks things off and hopefully that can go off and and be covered in you know really big places and, and stuff like that she is doing the games industry an incredible service in that way yeah and i'm not just her like a lot of these youtubers that'll be caught up in this like not not just to focus on someone we we actually know but a sure. lot of these youtubers are getting the dmca strikes it's the same case where they are people who are just trying to play these games that people mightn't have heard of shine a spotlight on them show that it's fun to play this game and for a lot of these small developers who can't afford massive pr budgets to get like posters hanging off the side of fucking convention centers in los angeles this is the kind of oxygen they need to get their yeah. game sold to break even to take it from kind of like hobby level gaming into an actual living and godspeed to those fucking people like that's why i like i got i properly fucking 
fucking angry when I started seeing about how this was all going and all these people who are just trying to make a living uh, come under threat from this sort of shit. But um, like we could be talking about because it's so fascinating. We could be talking about this for hours. So I think I'll, I'll kind of move on from there. But we'll we'll definitely in the weeks to come, if, if any more developments come in in this story, we'll be talking about it. And if Jupiter wants to come on at some stage and, and, and talk about it, we'll we'll certainly have her back on. And like I said, I, I linked to her uh, article in the show notes below. But gentlemen, let's move on to uh, happier and stranger news altogether. The SNES Mini is coming out September sorry. 29th. Sorry, the what? The Mini SNES. The Mini SNES, <laughs> yes. More so, importantly, uh, okay. the, the thing was, uh, the last time I had, I, like, the last time we talked about uh, the, the hypothetical Mini SNES on the podcast, I called it the Mini SNES, and I got abuse on Twitter for not calling it the SNES, so no right. one is fucking but, happy. No, no, the no, no. Super Those... Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, people who call it anything other than the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, the Super Nintendo, or the SNES, have not been brought up properly by their parents. I'm sorry. <laughs> they've not that's... been reared. They've not been reared properly, yeah. Look, let, let's get to the crucial thing here. Star yeah. Fox 2, what the fuck? What the... Oh, my God! <laughs> I ran down. I Mark will verify this. So Mark works uh, out in the, the back room of our house and I was upstairs um, playing something. And I had a Twitter open on the laptop beside me and I just saw out of the corner of my eye, all caps, someone writing Star Fox 2 and nearly snapped my neck, turning my head around to the <laughs> ran down the stairs nearly kicked in the kitchen door and just yelled star fox 2 at mark <laughs> who i didn't know hadn't been on twitter yet uh, i said yes they're doing the mini snes and star fox they went back at the madmen and finished star fox 2 and it's coming out on the well, mini snes fucking thing was pretty much <laughs> finished anyway was yeah but no one outside of like a select few people in nintendo have seen anything more than that kind of prototype that got out I know someone had taken the prototype for Star Fox 2, actually put it into a SNES cartridge and mailed it to Giant Bomb last year, the year before. <laughs> uh, and they played it on a stream. Um, but outside of that prototype, no one's seen what that finished game looks like. And it, Well, I've, I've played are... like a ROM of it uh, a couple of years ago because like I had a list of games that were never finished. I, I stumbled across once and I was like, huh, Star Fox 2, what, what is what is this? Because I, I just wasn't aware of it at the time. So, like, I've played the, the, the ROM version that is available that, you know, anyone can yeah. play. But and it, it goes yeah, into yeah, the bigger that's... conversation about is the, the NES or the mini SNES, like, worth it? Because it's just a, a big ROM file, basically, in a nice-looking yeah. case. But again, like as the as, like as the legend goes, that bit that's playable, that's available in ROM form, isn't even the ROM of the partially finished version that's been sitting around. Oh, that yeah, was a yeah. ROM of the prototype for what then went on to be worked on and nearly finished, and then just left in some dank, dark corridor in Nintendo, only to be brought out in 2017. Nintendo, you mad bastards! Which I think was this... also something we pointed out last time with Peter. Yeah. This is Nintendo. At well, Nintendo are mad bastards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is is Star Fox Two one of the last great kind of like urban legend games to come to life? Like we eventually, for better or worse, got Duke Nukem Forever, um, and yeah. we knew that was kicking around we for got, a we decade. Got we got um, Polybius. Oh yes, uh, <laughs> someone actually made that. Yeah. Which I can't believe someone did that. Yeah, it's Star Fox Two. My gosh. What? Well, once I. Well, what's everyone's thoughts on on this mini SNES? Uh, the 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 pre-orders are flying like hotcakes. For wave already one, sold out. Wave one is sold out. Wave two mm. probably fully sold out today. I managed to get my pre-order in in wave two. Now, uh, my question is: 
do we think that this um the everyone rushing to get them is because it's the mini SNES or is it because of how few mini NESs they were that everyone is freaking out wondering what the availability of this will be mm. or is it a bit of both well, well Nintendo said that they are making more but, but no one knows what more means yeah. but no yeah. but for Nintendo that might be one more and the fact that you know I just don't I don't understand Nintendo. They're just like no it, one it, with their with their Switch store. Um, like that's still not up and running, is it? The um, the, the the virtual store on Switch. No, no. The, well, there's there's the store for the new Switch games and the the retro Neo Geo stuff they're putting up, but there's no like old retro virtual console no. games. And um, their their stupid idea, which I've now reversed to rent you out old ROMs of SNES and NES games mm. um, on their on their platform, which, which I know they've changed, but still could be, you know, so much better. Like the library that they've got, like what they could do. And now with, now with this, that you have this console, which is already sold out, which you can get a pre-order, like confirmation email for £200 on eBay if you want one that's already been scalped. Like it's just absolutely ridiculous and for something and i'm not advocating this in the lightest and you know <laughs> uh, but but for something you could do at home for practically nothing yeah. um and, yeah, and i believe some people something. already did with the nes like in terms of like emulating the roms are you saying that people could illegally download roms of games off of the internet and play them not on the original hardware like the some prime, people some people may, <laughs> yeah, like the prime number two. That's <laughs> engaging. Um, I'm just saying that that Nintendo make it so difficult for people to enjoy their the things that they make. I'm not surprised mm. that some people, you know, go to other lengths to get hold of hold of it. It's yeah. uh, controlling the flow of. Uh, access to something to increase the sales or to keep yeah. sale the, yeah. the price of, of something high combined with Nintendo fan zealotry like the I must have one of these that uh, that you know not every Nintendo fan obviously because I'm a Nintendo fan but a <laughs> not all Nintendo fans not all Nintendo fans hashtag um, but a lot of them have um, yeah. I mean it's a cool piece of hardware right like yeah of course like I'd love one but yeah. at the same time, and you know, especially like with the games that they've included on them, like I, some of those games are, I mean, just Earthbound is, uh, you know, a hundred pounds is a loose cartridge. So to get it on, to get that plus, yeah. Secret know, of Mana, Secret um, of Mana, Mario yeah. RPG, Star Fox Two, like yeah, like those four the, games yeah, alone, there you've probably got like half a grand's worth yeah, of like yeah, easily, yeah. easily. Let, let's get into the, this list here. I'll, I'll read out the list and we'll see what we think of it and see if there's going to be any notable omissions or anything as far as anyone's concerned. So we got Contra Three, Donkey Kong Country, Earthbound, Final Fantasy Three, F Zero, Kirby Superstar, Kirby's Dream Course, Link to the Past, Mega Man X, Secret of Mana, Star Fox One and Two, Street Fighter Two Turbo. Uh, Super Castlevania 4, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Super Mario Kart, Super Mario RPG, Super Mario World, Super Metroid, Super Punch-Out, and Yoshi's Island. Is this then like um, the second release of a Street Fighter 2 game this year? Because we've already had one yeah. version on the Switch. 
And that is already heavily discounted at some local retailers here. I am stunned by that. Yeah, I know. Was it like uh, 50, 40, 50 quid at launch? Uh, uh, yeah, but it's meant to be like the last Street Fighter 2, right? Uh-huh. I think that's um, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it plays like garbage, apparently. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, I, For me, like... For me, everybody's going to have their, oh, you missed... You know, and it's because everybody remember has a, a, a fond memory. Or people, are, everybody of a certain age has a fond memory, like growing up playing certain games. By and the way, kind of by the way, Peter has a wonderful thread that went up the other night. Um, uh, Randy being furious, yeah. somewhat. Yeah, I enjoyed it greatly. I yeah, I I mean, basically, I think that I basically I think that the Super, Super Nintendo Mini is a is a really is a is a great piece of kit. It's a great great value and if you want to get into super nintendo games and try it try them all out and you want to do it legally and like get some amount of that money back to the people who made those things i think that's great i think people who are complete like i saw mad absolutely mad shit like oh they should include every snes game and it was like (laughs) well i mean they could but then those people who made those games wouldn't get paid and also turtles in time like they are going to get sued by Hasbro, and also, and it would be eight hundred quid. Yeah, yeah, it's like no, but anyway. So all those, all of those games are great, and you know, just to have one underneath the television and an HDMI cable plugging yeah. into to the back of it. I mean, I would love to play Super Mario World again. Yeah, um, to, to me, it's kind of a thing where it's the first video game console that I fell in love with, and I never actually owned one. Like, right. the first at-home console I owned was Nintendo 64. I only got to play the SNES over uh, at my auntie's house growing up playing a bit of Donkey Kong Country or Link to the Past or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to know that come whenever the second wave of the console comes before the end of the year, I'll actually own a proper SNES with games on it because yeah. I have I have a, a cheap SNES that I picked up at, like uh, second hand uh, at some stage but I don't have any games for it and as you guys all well know uh, pursuing actual original cartridges in the retro games market nowadays is um, it's a pricey hobby to have mm. um, for some things in particular. I, I think the thing with um, the mini SNES definitely more so than the mini NES is that for like our generation and going slightly up that grew up with the SNES it's if you have that pipe dream of okay i have a kid now i'd like them to have like their first console i you know i'd love to give them a a snes and this is you know a a perfect way of doing it because with the mini nes a lot of those games are either uh, incredibly difficult or incredibly obtuse or just there's just not a lot to them but with the mini snes you know it's everything here yeah a lot of the stuff on the snes is considerably more timeless to I, I would recommend a lot more of this library to kids who haven't played older games sooner than I'd recommend almost anything off the, the mini NES. That's not discrediting there are some all-time classics on that mini NES, but for kids in 2017, I, I don't think that really holds much water for them, those games. Whereas something like Link to the Past or um, Super Mario Kart or Super Mario World, they, those games still look and play great now. They don't. They well, don't kind of creak with the timber of age like some of the stuff. It's on not the just that. It's that you're gonna play Balloon Fight for about two minutes and then go, okay, I've got this. But everything yeah. on here, there, there's actual legit hours with each game that can be spent. 
playing. Mm. So, um, yeah, just it's a case of how many do we actually see that see the light of day. Yeah. Um, so, like, cause... my, 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 yeah, my little anecdote when I went down, I told Mark this off the air. Uh, when I went down, and Mark had done the reconnaissance. He was in our local GameStop this morning and just happened to ask them because I was curious um, if they were taking pre-orders. And they had kind of they had not announced that there was a second wave of consoles that they were taking pre-orders for. But if you went in and asked them in GameStop, they would take the pre-order for the second wave of consoles. <laughs> and your man was kind of like, look, I, you know, he's trying to explain it to me, you know, like he would explain it to any just random customer coming in. He's like, so the supplier has said that we're guaranteed a second wave. We know how many we're getting, but we have no idea about this and that. And I kind of just stopped him in the middle of it and went, it's Nintendo this isn't my first rodeo. I know how they work. <laughs> you know, this is kind of when Nintendo release a new thing, you kind of have to put up with it. We don't know when they're going to come back in. We don't know how many there's going to be, this sort of stuff. Um, but I like, you know, I they have said very nebulously, like you guys were alluding to, that they're going to continue production until the end of the year, whatever that means. No kind of guesses as to what rate that means myself and mark were kind of guessing that nintendo if they're thinking are going to monitor how quickly these pre-orders are selling out and there are ways to kind of extrapolate off the speed pre-orders are selling out that you can kind of go right okay this is how many more we should keep making or how many rounds of pre-orders we should do then make the things and then they're ready to go so that hopefully they can at least keep selling orders of them through christmas because i think that's a lot of people are going to look at this like parents and think this is an incredible little box with a bunch of classic games in it that i can like you were saying mark give my kid at christmas would be amazing um and you know unless they really really hate money nintendo will try their (laughs) best to kind of at least come close to meeting the demand on this because in fairness to them 2017 again myself and mark were saying like they're really the comeback kid here they're doing well as we'll talk about later on they a lot of the stuff they're doing with the switch whereas we still have our complaints about the virtual console and stuff like that in terms of sales the switch has been exceeding expectations left right and center for them they're starting to find their sea legs a little bit now and really start to hit it out of the park i think of the three platform holders they had the most impressive e3 showcase and yeah i I would hate to see them just not learn from the lessons of just last year and have so many people disappointed and not have a mini snes by the end of it moving on to the oh a kind of related thing as well have you seen the box for the japanese version of the mini snes anyone no oh it's in the Eurogamer have an article up about it about how it's a mini it's called nintendo's japanese uh, snes has uh, a different selection of games firstly they have the old super famicom box just in Yay. miniature with the multicolored lines all over it um and they have on it um it exclusively includes fire emblem mystery of the emblem legend of mystical ninja panel de pawn super soccer and super street fighter 2 um, whereas these five games are exclusive to European and North American editions, and that's Earthbound, Kirby's Dream Core, Street Fighter 2, Super Castlevania, and Super Punch Out. It kind of sucks that Jap- Japan aren't getting Earthbound, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but they've had it for way too bloody long. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> they, 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 they held on to that ball for a long, long time before it came <laughs> over. Was it, what, three years ago maybe it came out on the Wii U Virtual yeah. Console? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Crazy. But yeah, that, that, that Super Famicom box is really, really pretty. Um, 
moving on, related Nintendo news. Speaking of Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo Switch has now passed 1 million units sold in Japan after 17 weeks. Uh, like I said, this is kind of um, Nintendo are getting back in it. They they have kind of shaken off the, the, the curse that was the Wii U and they're doing substantially better with the Switch. I still say uh, I have my Nintendo Switch here and I, I love the damn thing. I'm about 100 hours in on Breath of the Wild and I have a bunch of other stuff that I've been playing a lot on it as well. I really it's a really nice piece of kit. Um, before I kind of throw it out to what people are thinking here about the Switch and how it's doing, um, just as a kind of standard uh, of comparison your gamer have here that um, this is the weeks it has taken consoles to reach 1 million. So it took 17 weeks for the Switch to reach 1 million. It took the Game Boy Advance three weeks. It took huh. the DS... It took the DS four weeks, the PS2 five weeks, the Wii six weeks, the 3DS 13 weeks, the PSP 14 weeks to switch, and the GameCube, it both took 17 weeks, which is interesting. It took the N64 29 weeks, the PS4 more than 30, and the Wii U 34. Um, so, yeah, the, the Switch is doing quite well in Japan, which you would imagine considering there's... a there's a, a big market there for the more portable gaming systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on how the, the Switch has been doing so far? Uh, Peter and Sam, uh, how much Switch have you played? Do you have Switches? What What is your kind of Switch I, I exposure? Of so I will throw it right over to Sam. Uh, I've played a Switch briefly. A friend of mine came around and um, we played Breath of the Wild a bit and then um, slightly hung over the next morning. He just like like jostled me awake on the couch and plonked the switch down in front of me, handed me a controller and we played snipper clips for an hour. Oh, and and it was at that clips. point that the console just like clicked for me, like all this wonderful potential in it that snipper clips is so good. <laughs> it's, it's such a, such a clever idea. And yeah. like, I look at everything that the Xbox one X is trying to achieve and just thinking, yeah, but then there's the switch and you know i can take that wherever i want and you know i can share that experience with people and i don't have to worry about 4k and 60 fps like i just can have great games do you know what the do you know what the xbox one x is it is the console version of jeremy clarkson it's just all power (laughs) and yeah yeah. Myself and Mark were talking about that that tweet that went around during E3 um, about how it was, you know, Xbox, uh, 60 frames a second, 1080p or 4K gaming, all these different stats. Nintendo, you can throw a hat at a bullet bill and then you are the bullet bill. (laughs) Nintendo are going a completely different direction. And well, they have really been benefiting from the last 15, 20 years now. At least this way in a good one. And I, I like... Uh, what I'm interested by as well is because of the the kind of the, the tablet and the portable form factor of the Switch, which I really, really love. Like I brought it with me on holidays to Prague. I brought it with me all sorts of places playing my Switch. Not quite like playing it on a basketball court, like in that stupid ad. But, you know, I've been I've brought it around and I really enjoyed the thing. Um, but one of the things that is really interesting to me about the Switch, looking at it here in comparison to it taking the Wii U 34 weeks to break a million, is how a lot of people now retroactively are saying that the Wii U is kind of important for Nintendo because it took that console to get to this idea. Do you know what I mean? That there was that, there needed to be some sort of missing link step between the Wii U and this Switch. That sounds to me like classic Nintendo apologism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, I think the Wii U was just a just a huge misstep 
basically. Yeah. Like, I, I love a lot of games on that thing, but oh yeah, as but... as a system, it uh, so much of it made no do sense. Remember, do you remember like two years ago there were a whole bunch of like prominent critics and YouTubers and stuff who were oh no no now's the time now's the time to get all of you oh no now's the time now's the time to definitely get in on it yeah get in go on lads this yeah, is, get it. In this is where we turn around and it was like no it ain't like yeah. like let's just let's just wait I'm so glad though that the switch is switch is doing well because I mean like Sam says like it feels it feels different you know yeah. it, it feels like a really different proposition yeah. And um, the the only thing that does worry me about it, and the reason why I haven't jumped on it as quickly as I have done, it was sort of summed up by their E3 presentation this year, which generally boiled down to "we are making games honest." Yeah, like yeah, oh, we I, are I, we I, are making them. Don't worry. Like yeah. at the, at the same time, I kind of feel that was pretty much Sony as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was you a know, yeah, yeah. It except a, at least weird. at least Nintendo were going 2018, 2018. Sony were like. We'll see. <laughs> Remember those games you saw last year? Well, we're still working on them. Last of Us 2, when, maybe this side yeah. of this decade. Who knows? No, like, when, I think one... When's Dad of War coming out? Yeah, Let's no. see. I will say this, though, because um, I think Pete was on, like, around the time that the Switch was launched, I want to say, because I feel yep. like we did speak about it. And I will say this. One of the big concerns that we had, I think most people had, was, like, the lineup of games for this year for the Switch. And everyone was just thinking, oh, there's Zelda and then there's Mario. And it hasn't been the case at all because everyone kind of no. forgot that there's Mario Kart, there's Splatoon 2 coming, um, there's a, a collection of, of smaller indie games that have been released and, for the console. Uh, and fuck everybody, Puyo Puyo Tetris fucking owns on that machine. <laughs> it is the greatest. I love Puyo Puyo Tetris. Um, I like uh, Graceful Explosion Machine. I play a lot on it. Snipper Clips, like myself and Sam were just saying, is a great little idea to kind of get you used to playing with the Joy-Cons in different positions and using those uh, kind of wrist straps and the, the bumpers on the outside of it. Um, and I tell you fucking what, right? Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle has me hot. <laughs> I cannot wait for that game. That game looks incredible what the fuck the real i think the real danger to both myself and mark's uh, social lives or lack thereof uh is when at some point in this summer stardew valley is coming to the switch oh uh, yeah yeah and oh, it's going to be it's going to really? be the it's yep. going to be the first con it's going to be the debut of the multiplayer mode on console oh, <laughs> no that's not what Pete and I needed to hear. <laughs> oh, oh no! That's the, that's the end of our criminal career, though. At least, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's like true. I have two 100-hour saves of that game on both Windows and Mac, and the idea that I can now walk around like I, could, I guess yeah. I could walk you, around with my you Mac. You don't in my even hands. have to wait until you get home to play more Stardew Valley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I think it's terrifying. The, the, the Trinity that did it for me was like FIFA. It's like, all right, okay, I'm there. Rocket yeah. League, okay. Oh, Rocket League as well. Rocket League, yeah. Rocket, Rocket League cross-platform as well. Oh, and fuck you, Peter, because the the bug is back in like the worst way now. I cannot stop playing Rocket League again. Well, after we were playing it, after day. we were playing, seriously, yeah. like because I'm in the kitchen and like that's where I work, and so I've got the living room there, and I'm like on my lunch, and usually I'm just kind of chilling about. And I'm like, no, I need an hour of Rocket League. Like, I need it now. Like, I need the yeah, fix. I'm I it just it'll be quiet all morning around the house, and then I'll hear the of the, of the gold being scored in Rocket League. I was like, "Oh, Mark's on lunch." 
that's a. I mean, I think I think the only the only slight concern with Rocket League on Switch is, I mean, like if you're not playing Rocket League online, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> like, and so you know, the Switch's portable portable stuff kind of. It, I don't know if you've ever played like the single player Rocket League, but the AI is uh, yeah, it's well, not great. It's not amazing, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I really feel like Nintendo had a really good E3 in so much as they were leaning into they were leaning into right. It's about games and yeah. different ones, like ones that aren't necessarily those other ones that you will see today over you know it's not your battlefields and call of duties and stuff like that it's it's this other kind of games that you want to get yeah, into here's the stuff we do better than everybody else yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. yeah um uh, yeah and it was amazing like they, they their e3 presentation i don't want to trot over stuff we've already talked about but their mixture of like here's stuff that's coming out like you know the absolutely crazy acid trip that was the mario odyssey trailer that's coming out in october then there's a mixture of all this stuff like kirby yoshi and since they've confirmed metroid prime 4 is also a 2018 game um and yeah the the crazy announcement out of nowhere that no one expected the the metroid prime 4 announcement when i had guaranteed on our prediction special that the word metroid would not even be fucking mentioned um yeah they they absolutely knocked it out of the park and there's all there's all these smaller experiences coming out on it there's some neo geo games that that's the sort of stuff you're into um mark you said you really want to play that snake pass which people kind of there's, there's some people that are really hot on it some people are cold on it and um, binding of isaac has come to it and it's a version where if you get the physical copy you get a big chunky old time style uh instruction booklet with it which is really <laughs> awesome there's that uh advanced wars that's not advanced wars but it is entirely advanced wars uh, war group is that Wargroove, yeah. yeah. Um, there's what everyone is saying is a pretty okay Bomberman. Like, it's kind of getting kind of, yeah, this'll do, but not quite sort oh, of and reviews. Have you, and I think, I don't know if I've spoken to you, Peter, about this before, but the the Mario, I think we did on, on Monday, the Mario Golf RPG game right, on right, the Game right. Boy Advance, and they have what looks like a kind of spiritual successor to that as well. That has mm. me a bit yeah. excited. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm buying a Switch. Definitely buying a Switch. Yeah, you're getting your Splatoon two uh, bundle. That's yep. the plan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's the the Switch passing one million. It's good. It's good to see Nintendo kind of bounding back from the the, the disaster that was the the Wii U. With what I'm like, I I have been playing my Switch more the last month or two than I've been playing my PS4. So that's a really good indication because I have a lot of stuff I really really should be playing on my PS4, and I'm just not getting around to it, thanks to Zelda largely. Um, moving on, leaked images have revealed and then Activision subsequently confirmed that to the surprise of absolutely no one, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered is being released as a standalone title. Um, this whole remastered being tacked on to last year's Call of Duty has done nothing but annoy a lot of people and charging was it 15 or 20 dollars for a map pack yeah. for a game that's a mostly most of a decade old also annoyed people and now they're bringing it out by itself and they're charging 40 dollars for it cool yeah um cool are, 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 you, are you guys are, are you a modern I, warfare fan no i i, I couldn't care less but yeah. the, <laughs> I, I i'm i i'm that will absolutely serve its audience and i hope they enjoy mm -hmm. it 
Um, anyone got anything, Mark? I spoke about <laughs> it. Lo- I spoke about it last week. I just, oh, did you? Yeah. Um, it's it's hilarious. We we predict we predicted a year ago that this would happen. Um, yeah. And, In fairness, they held yeah. out a little bit longer than I thought. I said, "There's no way can they even hold their water for six months before they try to cash in and sell it as a standalone." <laughs> But, uh, you know, they lasted the full kind of eight months since last November. Fair play to them. <laughs> um, f- nearly four years after it originally came out, last month, the U- or last week, the UK sales chart was topped by Grand Theft Auto V. What? Yeah. What? I don't what know how that's it? possible. It's the 13th time it's taken the number one spot for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 3, uh, since it launched for PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 in September 2013. Um, it, okay. Who it, doesn't own this game at this point? I, I don't get it. Who is still buying this fucking thing? <laughs> it's incredible. Um, what What is it that is keeping this game selling? Was it, and, uh, was it cheap? Was it recently? No, like... like, it's still... Like it's not kind of full sixty dollars, but I think it's still a good forty mm. quid most of the time. What else is in the top ten? Um, I'll have a look here. There was uh, there was uh, four new games that had entered the chart that week with Stormblood, Ever Oasis, Dead by Daylight, and and uh, Moto GP Seventeen. Arms was knocked from second to seventh. Um, FIFA's in there. Dirt Four, Ghost Recon Wildlands, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, Overwatch. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, Forza Horizon 3, Tekken 3. No, there's a typo there. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, I was going to say, like, as I read that, I was like, that's not I'd be, correct at all. I'd be, I'd be more surprised if Tekken 3 had <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be the real news story here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so GTA 5 topping all those games. Now, I know we're in the kind of lull period in the middle of the year where there aren't a huge amount of new things coming out. But... Is, is it entirely down to, or, or at least mostly down to, just this continued games-as-a-service idea of GTA Online constantly getting new additions that people feel like they're missing out and those few remaining people, wherever they are, that somehow didn't already pick this game up are just still buying it? There's certainly... Uh, I think that's part of that. I think there's, there's GTA Online is just like a massive, massive beast. I think I saw a graphic somewhere that... Rockstar released a game every year until GTA 5 came out on the PS4 and the Xbox One, and then they haven't released one since then for the last however many years this iteration has been out. Like they've literally just, you know, take two and Rockstar all gone, oh, so this is how we make all the money. And, you know, that, you know, that's it. Um, so, I mean, GTA Online is, that's our playground now. If, if like, the staying in crew are rolling, we're rolling online. Um, and I think that that combined with mods and the massive mod community out there, like, the game is really, the game is really an, an appealing prospect. Um, and I think the fact that, obviously, it is old and was remastered and you wonder whether people are, still like catching up with a new generation of consoles possibly yeah. um and so you buy a ps4 you buy gta 5 like um that could possibly be another route that it's getting in yeah I, it, like uh, s- similar reasons i imagine to why minecraft often creeps back into the top 10 yeah yeah if, if you're buying a new console you get minecraft and you get gta it's kind of you know the two um primary colors of of gaming um, ah, 
hold on a second. There was a there was a PlayStation. There was a massive PlayStation Four sale recently ah. hard, of hardware. Ah, well, there you go. So new people hopping on, yep. getting the game they're familiar yep. with. So you, so they were doing a bunch of like really really stunningly good PlayStation Four deals. Uh, yeah. Okay. And GTA is usually always part of that. Yeah, part of that yeah. place. But I guess it's kind of like I, the thing where, like the the Nintendo Wii, um, like you think about Wii Sports is like one of the the the, the best selling game for that system, and it's because it literally mm-hmm. did kind of come with the system. So I yeah. guess you could kind of by proxy see it in a similar light. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there are GTA Five bundles, and if you're coming from PS3 or Xbox 360 up to the current gen, it's a game you've already played. It's it'll be kind of your. For me, and I think by the sounds of it, from what he was saying uh, about the Switch for Sam, like. FIFA is like my kind of palate cleanser. I can just turn on FIFA for a few hours and not think yeah. about mm-hmm. it, anything. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I imagine GTA Online is like that. So you just go on, do a heist, steal some cars, shoot some people in the face, um, and have a grand old time. Uh, also, so that's probably why. Yeah. Also, the charts are bullshit. The fact that Ghost Recon Wildlands <laughs> is one of the biggest selling games of this year, and Horizon and Neo and Resident Evil 7 aren't. Resident Evil 7 is so good. Ghost Recon Wildlands. I recently watched someone playing that, and they, and they jumped out of a helicopter, yeah. reached terminal velocity, yeah. went into a lake, and fell on the lake as if it was concrete, yeah. and died. That's one of the biggest selling games of. Yeah. <laughs> that game is the best selling game of 2017 so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible, like, isn't it? It is. Like, it's absolutely incredible. So that's why we don't understand why GTA Five is is back yeah. at the top of the charts, yeah. just completely out of touch it's with whatever's going on. We're we're over the hill. Yeah. Uh, the next story, I think maybe this might have been included because Mark might be slightly annoyed about this. Psionics asks Sony about cross-platform play every single day. Do you want to talk about this, Mark? Well, it's it's kind of become the big thing since um, since E three. Jim, Jim Ryan opened his damn mouth. Oh, yeah, he's he's done a wonders over the last couple of weeks. Uh, well, basically, there seems to be this kind of harmonious relationship between uh, Nintendo and Microsoft when it comes to like uh, uh, Minecraft and uh, Rocket League, and Sony have kind of just shut up shop and like, nope, nope, we we've got nothing to do with this. And I think there was some stuff that kind of made sense with why minecraft wasn't the case but there isn't really anything around why rocket league couldn't just you know be cross-platform and it's not like sony haven't done cross-platform before because they did it with portal 2 uh on pc um but it's just it's just not a thing that that they're interested in they also did they also did cross-platform with with rocket league but it's only with the pc version yeah 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 so so uh it's a button press away, according to Psionics. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I can't go too much into uh, technical details and back-end of developing for PlayStation, but my my understanding of all of the publicly released information about developing for PlayStation is that Sony theoretically has stated that it's okay with other consoles and other platforms communicating with PlayStation games. They did it with PC, they did it with Portal 2. My my big question is, why has that that ethos suddenly started to move away? Like, 
is it because they're the leaders of the pack now? I like, think that's, yeah, that's what a lot of people seem to think. But, but the, 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 I don't know. And the other, the other part of it is how I read, like the people behind Rocket League, the Sonics person that you mentioned saying that it's a button press away. The way I read that is clearly it's not a button press away. It's a lot of hard development time. So the way I read that is they've already done the work. They just need to make it go live, right? Yeah. So, so if that's the if that's the case, why is it that they've suddenly pushed back on that? Because Sonics aren't stupid. Like they will know what the technical requirements checklist says about uh, interconnection between different platforms, and they will not have you know spunked hours up the wall on. Uh, on developing a, a, a thing that you just can't do according to Sony's TRCs. So why is it that they've managed to get all the way up to that point and and said, and now that's the point where they're like, yeah, no, we can't do it anymore. Like, is it that they've misinterpreted what Sony says, or is it that Sony is now saying, oh, we're a little bit we're a little bit weirded out now by the idea of when it, now it's a reality. Yeah, it it feels to me a little bit like. I, I don't know so much with the um, the the specifics of Rocket League, but I, I have a feeling that the the, the other one that uh, prompted arguments over E3 was uh, Minecraft, and I right. think a lot of the specifics with Minecraft are down to the fact that it came out that when you are logging onto Minecraft for Switch, when it's going to communicate with one uh, Minecraft on other platforms, you're going to have to sign into an Xbox Live account. <laughs> so yeah, I, mean, I that, think, that's on I think a lot of properties. So yeah, but I I think a lot of uh, Sony's unwillingness to do it specifically with Minecraft are basically are they fuck signing into an Xbox account on our PlayStation <laughs> hardware? Yeah. Fuck yeah. them, get off my <laughs> land. But yeah, generally speaking, yeah, it, it it seems very strange, Peter, that it's like, yeah, no, we're totally open to it. Oh wait, actually do it? No, 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 no. Especially considering it was only three or four years ago that Sony were all like taking high water with like, this is how you trade games on a PlayStation yep. 4. Uh-huh. And now they're suddenly like, mm, but this isn't how you play games with your other friends who own other consoles on the PlayStation 4. Like there's those there's those like warning signs of suddenly they're becoming the big boy, so they're becoming like insular. Like exactly what happened to um like Xbox. Like when yeah. they were the biggest thing in town, suddenly they became more insular and now they're coming all about like power and grunt and, you know, we're making exclusive games for men and guns. And then PlayStation was just like, well, we'll do something different that appeals to lots of people. And now suddenly they're the big guys and they're like, well, we're going to keep everything to ourselves and do everything just for us and our audience. The it thing, just seemed like... Right. Yeah, right. that's... The thing is as well, because Nintendo have been the um, kind of the forefront runners of we we take like online play very seriously and you'd play any like nintendo game online and there's barely any features and the way they're going to have voice chat connected with the switch is <laughs> so convoluted you might as well not even bother yeah. with it yeah. but with rocket league there there is no voice chat there is just um commands you can do by pressing the the d-pad on the the sony version so it's like 
all of that just goes out the window. And the fact that Nintendo are on board of it as well shows that in terms of like yeah. online N- security, N- it's Nintendo just... being ahead of the curve rather than yeah, another platform. Oh, Christ. Really you know, like oh, God. any we're, other... we're in the alternative timeline, aren't we? <laughs> any other game, if you want to have that conversation, sure. But Rocket League is not that game you can make the argument with. Yeah. Like um, I can, I can see with Microsoft. Yeah, there's the signing into Microsoft and all that sort of stuff. But there's also the the problem of security, right? Like, uh, uh, and safety of miners. So, in Minecraft, you can create absolutely anything you want, and that includes, you know, some terrible uh, racist effigy. There's right? been a swastika at some point, surely. I'm sure. Um, uh, so, like, so if you can share worlds, I can absolutely understand a situation in which. Sony were to say, where, where a player were to, uh, a child were to experience that level and be like, Mom, Dad, what's this over there? Oh, don't worry about that, Timmy. That's okay. And then they're um, like, right, I'm furious. I'm going to go right to whoever. And then it becomes an issue. And they played it on a PlayStation console. It's a Microsoft game. And the, but the person who created it, uh, was playing it on, we don't know what could be a PC, could be could be a could be a, a you know an Xbox or whatever it is. So, but what's the point of safety? Like, is it down to yeah. Sony to say yeah. like you you need to stop this stuff? Is it down to Microsoft? Who gets yeah. banned? Like, who legally has to figure that stuff out? Yeah, like Sony saying that it's a safety issue with people who are playing the Xbox or PC versions communicating with their versions of the game. Right. Like, that's really oversimplifying things. Like, I'd love to live in a world where predators are so easily deterred sure. that, oh, you have an Xbox One, that means you can't come near the people playing this. Oh, shucks, I guess I'll just stop being a predator then. <laughs> you know, if... <laughs> Like, if it were that easy, it would be fantastic. We would have a, a, a lot brighter of a world. But, like, uh, when the whenever they harp on about security, it just rings false to me. It's not, it's not about... Uh, but I think you're coming at it from a, from a more positive point of view than, than I am. You're coming at it from a, like, they can stop these people. Um, I'm no, I, I don't think they can. I just think so them, them, them acting like... But it's, any, but, you know. but it's not that. It's about... It's about, it's about Sony going... We don't want to get sued. Yeah, like that's that's literally the bottom line. Like it's a this will look bad for us. Therefore, let's avoid a league a costly legal battle by just saying no. Like I don't yeah. think it's about stopping harassment. It's about like it's basically about Sony saving face on multiple levels. I, I would say, mm-hmm. um, and it sucks because it's anti-consumer. Yeah. But at the same time, if I was the head of that company. I think I'd probably make the same decision. So, <laughs> uh, moving on to our last story of the week. Um, speaking of uh, online play, the the kind of online phenomenon this year that is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds has officially made one hundred million dollars in the last thirteen weeks, uh, with over four million copies sold on early access. The more and more I watch of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, the more I am on the point of I really, really want to play and get involved in this game. How much of you guys? You've only seen a little bit, Mark. Uh, what about you, Sam? I've seen a lot of this game, and I really want to play it, and I can't wait till it comes to console. And yeah, I have like a steady version of because like it the the hard the the hard challenge I know is convincing like the rest of 
the staying crew to, to jump on board because I know that to them and to some members of our crew mm-hmm. that they feel like it's a game that you just pop in oh and then you're dead after five minutes like sure. like whereas what I've seen and certainly what I've heard about the game is that it's not that at all it's kind of that feeling of being on the edge of your seat like the last half an hour of a of a boss battle or the or the last sort of you know chapters of a gripping book it's like having that experience you know condensed for you um in like these little um bursts of gameplay and and certainly also what i've heard like the discussions on it it's actually does a lot to mitigate those situations where people might camp or where people might just have a bit more yeah. experience than you do, like all that's handled with in the mechanics of the game. Yeah, so, the, the drop it, dropping people in with no weapons and having them scrounge for it rather than coming in with, with gear they had bought or gear they had leveled up or anything like that. And then the idea of restricting the the map, like shrinking the map every couple of minutes to force people closer and closer together yeah. so that they have to have a shootout eventually. Um, it's uh, the the way that game works and the way it thinks about forcing conflict is brilliant. I think. Um, Peter, you're you're have you played any of this or, or seen much of it? Uh, no, I've heard li- like this is the most I'm hearing about it. I saw like a couple of screenshots of it and I thought, oh, it looks fun. Hey, I've been pestering you about this game yeah, for ages. I know, and you were like, oh, we should play Player and Thing. I looked and I was like, we ain't gonna play this. It's it's like just just the idea like it's it's battle royale the video game dropping a hundred people onto a map and just forcing them to fight until the last one or the last team is left standing. Right. It's so simple and something that I've heard a bunch of people talk about uh, in the last few weeks when it's getting more and more cult success. And I've literally at this point, despite not having played a second of the game myself, have watched multiple like hour and mm. two hour long playthroughs of it because the brilliant weird situations that people get into and the things people are finding like people found recently that there's like a tunnel network somewhere on the island and just the, the different kind of just permutations of of conflict you can get into in it it just all seems like just the most fun uh, and yeah, with it coming to Xbox one I'm very very excited to get like it the, like the most fun that we've had with with games and I've criticized Ubisoft for saying this. But Ubisoft said it at the um, at the expense of dropping narrative in their games was that they wanted games to be anecdote machines. But mm. genuinely, the most fun that we've had when we play together is when we play games that allow for those moments to naturally emerge. Like the time in Rainbow Six where we were doing a terrorist hunt and uh, I had one grenade and I went, don't worry about this, lads, I've got this. Stepped in front of the door through the grenade it went straight past the terrorist out through the open window behind him he shot me and killed me um like those moments are just like that's what we when we get together that's what we play games for them to happen and yeah. and player unknown's battlegrounds seems to me is like the perfect factory for those things to be oh do you remember when we dropped in by parachute and we landed in this deserted thing and you found that and i found that and then suddenly we heard those cars and we ran and we jumped into a speedboat and then we went over to this and then suddenly the ring was tightening on us so we had to move to here like it just seems to be this wonderful um well it's like a playground basically isn't it it's more less less a battleground more like a playground for people of all abilities and all sort of like 
the, the different kind of incredible traps people come up with in it, like making a house look like it hasn't been searched yet and hiding yeah. somewhere in the house, closing the doors to make it look like no one's been there yet. Or my favorite one that I've watched a couple of clips of on, on Twitter and on YouTube uh, of people who, so you can drive vehicles in the game. There are people who will drive a vehicle to the middle of nowhere, camp around the vehicle so that whoever is kind of coming from the, the front of the car can't see them behind it. As soon as someone goes, oh, thank God, a car in the middle of nowhere, I can get to the center of the map. They get into the car. The person subtly enters the car into the back seat <laughs> and shoots them in the head from the back seat while they're driving the car. That kind of shit is just incredible. It's mm. it's It really is like it's taking off by word of mouth this year in a way that like and I know this is kind of a distinctly more indie uh, thing than what I'm about to mention. But uh, Hitman last year was a game that you were hearing word of mouth about all the different crazy shit you could do in yeah. that game. And it made people want to play it like, you know, people going, you can do a two handed fire extinguisher throw into the side of a man's head and kill him that way. And all sorts of different stories. And like, like you said, Sam, an anecdote machine, like mm. anyone who's played something like Hitman has a story about this incredible kill or incredible last minute escape they've had on Hitman. And battlegrounds is this year's version of that where oh my god you should have been there you should have seen what we were doing when we were rolling up on this house last night on battlegrounds it's it's a really really incredible game and i'm so glad for the guy an irishman brendan green who is player unknown uh having made a hundred million off this game uh is a massive achievement really um that is the end of the news for this week and we are going to move in to the game of the week this week and we're going to talk about a game that i think uh the our, our two guests are eager at this point to talk about and that is <laughs> vin diesel's wheel man yes. very specific that it is the title is actually vin diesel's wheelman <laughs> the, t- the title is actually vin diesel wheelman <laughs> I, 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 I will name it as such he does not own the wheelman he is wheelman that's that's his role in the mcu i'll give a quick synopsis <laughs> vin diesel wheelman is an <laughs> Is an, action... is, <laughs> yeah, is an action-adventure video game developed by Tygon Studios and Midway Studios Newcastle and published by Ubisoft in conjunction with Midway Games for the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 and Microsoft Windows. The game was released in March 2009 and stars Vin Diesel as Wheelman. The... <laughs> <laughs> the game is set in an open-world environment modelled after Barcelona of destructible objects, alleyways, shortcuts through office blocks, and a total of 31 story missions and 105 side missions. While most missions are driving oriented, 
there are also foot missions which are played from a third person perspective. A wide variety of weapons are available to the player, such as pistols and RPGs. Now, the whole point of this platform here at Link to the Cast is me and Dave, we like to come on, we like to talk about the kind of... Uh, historical games, influential games, games that have held the test of time, or just a game from our past that has a nostalgic tinge, tinge to it. Then there's Vin Diesel Wheelman. Uh, gentlemen, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, floor yeah. is yours. Yeah, that's it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna say this because I'm gonna I'm gonna step away from the microphone for a minute because I I, I I I just need to enjoy this. I'm going to open the floor to okay. you two with one question. Okay. The fuck is Wheelman? <laughs> okay. So Pete, Pete and I have a penchant and we've, we've had, we've, between the two of us, we've had this sort of way of enjoying games for a long time where we enjoy the six out of tens. Yeah. Okay. The six out of ten. So we've dabbled with Haze. Oh, brilliant game. Haze, what a game. Haze, what a game. Uh, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. Another classic. <laughs> and, and many more um, six out of ten games, but... Vin Diesel Wheelman is the most 6 out of 10 game that has ever <laughs> been made and will ever be made by man. Because it is, it's it's one man's passion. It's Vin Diesel making the game that he's always wanted to make. And, and he puts himself dead centre of it. Um, I mean, where do you start with this game? You well, fight okay. with cars. So, so, so <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's, let's, Let's break this down. So Vin Diesel, wheelman. Um, he he's a wheelman, uh, but he is he is um, he's Milo from Miami. So uh, basically, he's a an underground. It's sort of revealed. Spoilers. It's sort of revealed throughout the throughout the story that he's a an undercover agent, and he's got to infiltrate the deadly famous gangs of Barcelona uh, to something and uh <laughs> and uh it's, it's not I, I can't i can't i don't think it's particularly clear um i mean i did go back to this so i, I actually purchased a um a copy on uh pc um about a year ago about two about a year and two years year and a half ago maybe um it was a pound on amazon on their uh flash sale and i purchased it because i purchased it on ps3 previously and i thought oh I'll get Wheelman on PC and, you know, crank it up and put all the specs up and, and have, you know, brilliant visuals and stuff. Christ, no. I mean, this is this is Midway at the end of Midway, uh-huh. as Midway was known, right? So this is, um, as you were saying, this is uh, Tigon? Tigon? Uh, Tigon Studios, yeah. Tigon Studios. Um, and Midway was like THQ. Oh, do you know who the, the founder it- of Tigon Studios was? No. Is Vin Diesel. Brilliant. So, uh, brilliant. Perfect. So, <laughs> is that because it's half tiger, half lion? That'd be. Oh yeah, Tigon. Tigon. Yeah. Oh my God. Hold on. And they that were behind. Makes... They were behind Chronicles of Riddick as well. So it mm. all kind of comes ah, together. And it also makes all of the destructible golden tiger lion things that you can find in the game. Oh my God. Uh, 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 <laughs> okay. So basically, um, this was a publisher midway who like thq were the a relic of a, a of another age and midway made arcade games they were amazing at it and when the consoles came along they just kept making arcade games and tried to make them work on consoles and they found limited success like mortal kombat did really well 
and there were a few other games that, that kept them alive as well. But towards the end of the era, and Wheelman is part of that, if they had this Midway HD label, and they were trying to rebrand themselves as proper like console developers and stuff. But none of that ever... It, 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 then that didn't work because what you end up with with Vin Diesel Wheelman is a game that is so serious about <laughs> about its subject material. It knows it's stupid, but it is damn proud that it's stupid. It's like it's like the kind of and this is not to denigrate it, but this it's like. It's like peering inside Michael Bay's mind. You think Michael oh, Bay God. probably thinks what he's making is genuinely brilliant. Because what he's making, as in what Michael Bay knows he's making, he knows he's making trash. But he's making very flashy trash, right? To 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 a formula. And Wheelman is it it's it's a game where, you know. The, the main character is called Milo from Miami. It's the game where the, the game opens with, with um, a woman robbing a bank, getting into the car, and uh, her going, drive, drive, drive! Um, and Vin Diesel turning around and saying, huh, something, something, something. Like, this dumb, wisecrack remark. And she's like, just, just drive, just drive, get me out of here. And as the car pulls, and you're like, okay, this feels like stupid action mo- action heist movie kind of stuff. And as, as the car drives away, uh, and, and you get, you, you, you know, you take over control, the first thing you realize is uh, the bumper plate is Mortal Kombat. And every car in the game, the bumper plate is a reference to a Midway game. Every single car in the game, it is like Defender and like NFL Blitz and like all of this other stuff. And you're like, well, this is a commitment. Then the game teaches you how to fight as a car (laughs) other cars. So so there's left and right as a, 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 you know, to turn. But then on the right stick, if you flick left or flick right, the car rams left or right or forward into other cars so instead of having to turn into them you essentially are like punching the other car so so and that does a a load of damage and you're like okay well this is this is clearly very very uh uh, very arcade centric thing then the game's like oh looks like your car's been damaged hold circle and you're like okay so you hold the circle button and vin d and and all of this happens through like slow-mo and stuff like that it's a really clever tutorial um, goes into slow-mo and Vin Diesel opens the driver's seat and leans out the car and you're like, what is Milo from Miami up to here? And the game says, release the circle button to air jack. And you go, okay. And you release the circle button and Vin Diesel leaps with absolute precise perfection into the driver's seat of the car you've targeted that is also going at 90 miles an hour down the streets of uh, Catalonia and boots the driver out of the out of the door and now Milo from Miami is driving this car perfectly again. I feel like, like you've just explained the last three Fast and Furious films to me. It is that. Like, mm-hmm. it's dumb as shit, but it's so satisfying and so, like... Uh, it's so exciting. Like it's genuinely like a, a thrilling, uh, thrilling, thrilling experience. They really focused on getting that, that like the car chase stuff, uh, right to, I mean, even to the detriment of the woeful, like, 
like uh, like on foot sections. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and then so Sam and I sort of like would play this and talk to one another about it and how like I like you you know you get at the end of a mission you get ranked S through C the game's like rank S you stole the shit out of that car <laughs> <laughs> like, like it is yeah it's it's absolutely stupendous if, if, if you yeah I was going to say like I was going to say it sounds like it could have some point been a platinum game in terms of just the, the sheer level of madness on display. Um, it's not. It's not that mechanical complexity. Like no. it's not. No, true. Not yeah, that, I would. It, I would love a Vin Diesel hack and slash game. <laughs> but it's. But it's definitely got the, the clarity of gameplay purpose. Like, it, like it is a game in which you drive around Barcelona. No, no idea why they chose that area. Um, like an area of the world famous for narrow alleys um like uh, and and it presents you a stupid story to follow through um sam like have you been replaying it for 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 the, have you whipped out the playstation 3 and like no i saw that ages ago but i've been i've been i've been watching dedicated uh, youtube playlists to yeah. vin diesel wheelman uh, yeah. And it just comes flooding back. Like within the first five minutes, you um, like drive through um, uh, like tower blocks, and oh you know yeah. you do like the old reversing down an alleyway to get rid of a van that's yep. that's chasing after you. You know, you're right when you say it is the last three Fast and Furious movies because this was actually meant to be made into a movie, and. Like Vin Diesel's had his mucky little paws all over this game, and you do get the feeling that, like, he has always wanted to make, th- like, he's always wanted to make this movie. Hence, why he wanted to make the game. That's mm. kind of like a, like a proof of concept, I guess. And slowly, as you know, the Fast and the Furious movies have become a lot more of a sort of a. Uh, um, well, I think that the studios have kind of trusted them to make it a bit more sillier and. A lot more daring that they 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 are just becoming the wheel man movies like mm. they are just wheel men now <laughs> and you know in in this game like vin diesel walks around with this shirt that's you know painted on him yeah and... I, I put a picture out earlier about that because i was watching video game footage and i couldn't figure out what was going on with the, the design choice there because it does it looks like you see um <laughs> those kind of uh like women who have um like football uh, shirts kind of painted onto them and it looks mm. exactly like that yeah. you can yeah. see like the, the the kind of bulging sort of pecs like they've been painted over and i couldn't mm-hmm. for the life of me figure out what was going on there unless it, vin diesel decided he wanted it to look like that it's probably that he decided that he wanted it to look like that. <laughs> that, just, that i would gen i would love to sit down with um someone who um was involved with the making of this game i think one of the the producers of it is now is is a producer at rare he's making sea of thieves he might be one of the execs there mm. i'd love to know like what was a percentage of Vin's idea ideas and what were and what was a percentage of 
the fact that someone came, someone like Vin came to the studio and said, look, I can get you this amount of money if you make this game. And they were like, finally, we can, you know, make this shit ass crazy arcade game with like this really satisfying, loose, um, arcadey sort of steering of a car and essentially mm. a cover based system where instead of moving from cover to cover, you're jumping from the tops of cars to the tops of other cars. Like it, it's just there seems to be either this game is a perfect amalgamation of one man's vision and it being executed to to its like nth degree and becoming the perfect clarity of what one man make it wanted it to be hence being the only thing in existence that has ever managed to reach that zenith or it's one man's ability to be able to give the studio and the design team license to have some yeah. fun and yeah. break yeah. away from the bonds of yeah. like making like a, a trademark game or you know a, a something that you're, had a you're, property associated with it. You're completely right. Like it feels like whereas this game could have just been like a really cynical tie-in kind of kind of property, it's a game that absolutely leans so hard into what what it actually is like so so the the, the game um you 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 steadily unlock different abilities and powers and um uh, so obviously carjacking is pretty spectacular when you do it for the first time but one of one of my absolute favorites is the game says at one point, uh, and it teaches you very cleverly um, its mechanics uh, through 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 the missions as they go. Um, it says, okay, if you drive into oncoming traffic and, and dodge it, or if you get near misses, or if you like, or you get airtime, then you get this 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 sort of like power up, and uh, you can then you can then spend it, and you can spend it on um, you know pretty cool stuff like uh like a speed boost for example uh, just an incredible uh, burst of speed um but my favorite is uh you can press down on the d-pad the game suddenly slows right down to a crawl so you're driving uh, uh down down the highway having having a uh you know a, a car uh, a sort of rolling gun battle in a car you press down the game then s- slows its time down to an absolute crawl. Vin Diesel yanks the uh, the wheel of the car to spin the car around 180 degrees, perfectly, mind, 180 degrees, so that now the car is facing the opposite direction to which it is uh, driving, right? So it is now reversing at 100 miles an hour, right? <laughs> so, So... And this is all continuing in slow motion. Vin Diesel, then a an, an aiming reticle appears and Vin Diesel proceeds to shoot a pistol in slow motion at his uh, uh, like people who are pursuing him. So imagine that you are driving at 100 miles an hour down this motorway, goes into slow time, uh, uh, bullet time, spins around 180 degrees. Vin Diesel smashes the front of the windscreen with his pistol, and now he's taking precise, like, pixel-perfect headshots at people who are driving behind him. Then your... And that keeps going. Then your meter runs out, and Vin Diesel spins his car 180 degrees around, has not dropped a single kilometre per hour in any of this, 
and is now just driving again normally. Of course, he's now lost his front windscreen. But uh, and you know the people behind you have died and explode exploded in 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 uh, uh, you know a, a terrifying wreck of a car. That kind of power up would be like imagine putting that in GTA Five. It would be ludicrous. But in Wheelman, it just sits perfect because of course of course you could do that this is this is vin diesel wheelman um that you know like uh what of my other I, i'm sure confident it's a bug but maybe it's not maybe it was something to do with um keeping the the the, the rate of the game down uh, the license rating uh for for the age rating stuff but a lot of the enemies that you face are, are quote-unquote corrupt cops so you're killing a lot of policemen in this game. Like They're like the main enemy for, for a big part of this. And you're getting chased all of the time. And cars are exploding uh, left, right, and center. And when you destroy a car, it explodes spectacularly. It's like somebody has put a bullet in the, in the, pe- in the fuel tank, and it is full, and it has all gone up all in one go. It's like burnout three levels of explosions, right? Massive explosions. I love explosions in games. They're amazing. Um, so this thing detonates really hardcore. And as this burning, hulking wreck comes crawling to... Uh, 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 sort of flies up into the air, <laughs> just after the explosion happens, the person who was driving flies out of the out of the car out of the front windscreen of the car and if you slow down you notice that they land on their feet and then they walk away <laughs> that's so true <laughs> it's like what a game and you're like brilliant like like uh, yeah like it's it's so funny um and and genuine like it's it's none of this like saints row like oh, aren't games dumb <laughs> aren't games dumb we're going to take the piss out of them wheelman is like this is a dumb game but it is the best dumb game that you will ever play <laughs> what it kind um, of sounds like is where because saints row took basically the whole sandbox part of of gta and and went yeah. with it and pushed it to its limits and it feels like wheelman just takes the driving parts of 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 grand theft auto or driver you know if you want to use that might be a better there, example there are... and pushes it to its limits Sure, there are on foot sections and they are garbage. Yeah. Um, but the uh, and Milo's walking animation and his oh my god and his his crouched stealth animation is uh, something uh, just worth watching. On I YouTube. mean, he is the um, wheel man, not the walk man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but the yeah, absolutely. It's that for me, Grand Theft Auto is nihilistic. It it, it says nothing it's got nothing to say about anything like it just hates everything right it hates liberal people it hates conservatives it hates racism it is racist like it 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 just is it's completely moral free and has nothing to say other than the world is meaningless saints row is like open world action games are dumb video games are dumb and we are going to send all of that up really knowingly with a nod and a wink to the camera and vin diesel wheelman says this is the last generation where you're going to get to play games like this because we know that we're not going to be around for much, much longer. B-tier games like THQ and Midway put out have stopped. Like You just don't get games like Wheelman anymore. But Vin Diesel Wheelman is the, the crystallization of all of these 6 out of 10 action games, of all of the games of that era. It is the ultimate evolution of mercenaries and... Uh, you know, uh, and the saboteur 
and the original Saints Row and Crackdown and all of that sort of stuff. It is the ultimate evolution of those games. And it has that midway, um, we are going to just be ridiculous uh, spin on it. I think that's as uh, good a place as any to uh, start to wrap things up. This is a masterpiece of a game by the sounds of it that I kind of really want to play now. And I wasn't expecting that at the outset. That's uh, Vin Diesel Wheelman. Um, before we start to wrap things up, uh, I the one last bit of business we have here is just to name what the, uh, the, the book club game for next week is going to be. And following on from discussion I had earlier on about how I've been ruminating about this game all week, uh, I'm hoping to get a special guest on to talk about it next week. But next week's book club game is going to be Life is Strange. Get a bit of a more of a, a deep dive into that game next week because I think it definitely mm. warrants it. So uh, to wrap things up here, I want to thank Sam and I want to thank Peter for coming on to the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to both of you this week. Um, you are welcome back anytime to uh, discuss uh, whatever developments there have been in the snowboarding community or uh, <laughs> have they done anything between now and are people still chill and doing whatever they want this is what the people really want to know i get um, the feeling that pete is going to use this platform to find whatever <laughs> random ass ps2 games is like look there's no else i can talk about them but i know Mark and we, take we, it on. we are more than happy to provide that platform for anybody that wants to uh, but before we sign off uh, i'm going to hand over to, to you two guys there are twitters websites to direct people to to, to catch up on more of your content uh, sam go with you first um you can follow me personally at mr sam turner um and then uh pete will have everything for staying in it's almost like i'm super on brand um you can find <laughs> uh you can find out what our third crime is uh by listening to the staying in podcast uh, uh so uh you can go to staying in on itunes everyone listens to stuff on itunes so apple podcasts uh, they call it that now. Um, or whatever podcasting platform you get your podcasts on. You can find me at, at 000 spelt with an X. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, oh, and uh, we, ha uh, we have a video game. I work for a game studio. Uh, we have a video game called Ogre coming out really soon. It's an adaptation of Steve Jackson's classic 40 year old board game. And uh, if you're listening at the end of this podcast, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to skip all the rest of this sale. Uh, yeah. But basically, uh, if you like the tabletop game Ogre, you should because it's very good. Uh, we're doing a digital adaptation. It's coming out in Q3 of 2017 and the Steam wishlist page will be up soon. So look for that. Cool. And I have just followed Sam, taking his advice and following oh, him on Twitter you. just there. Um, so this has been another riveting episode of A Link to the Cast. Thank you to the panel for being on this week. Uh, this podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes and most podcast platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. Give us a subscription, a rating, a review. It all helps with that beautiful search engine optimization we all like to talk about. <laughs> that isn't definitely isn't a tedious thing to say out loud. Uh, Linktothecast.eu is the website. If you want to get in touch with us, linktothecast at gmail.com. Social media, it's facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and at link to the cast on twitter individually i am at dave ryan iv on twitter and mark is at lithium project we stream video games sometimes over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast and archive them later on youtube just search over there for link to the cast you'll probably find us in amongst all the videos of for some reason the weakest link <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
when we are on point and not being lazy, we have a weekly video schedule that we try to stick to. Uh, Mondays is Mark on Mondays. Mark, on your series, you're coming towards the end of Axiom Verge, I believe. I believe I am. Yes, if I remember to yeah. put the video up. And remember to yeah. put up tonight's video. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Near, yeah. Nearly there with Axiom Verge, and we'll <laughs> see what you're heading on to next in a couple of weeks. Wednesday, speaking of uh, other video series that we need to remember to put videos above, is Retro Corner 64, where myself and Mark have embarked upon the arduous task of playing every single Nintendo 64 game released in English-speaking territories <laughs> in chronological order. <laughs> oh, oh my yes. god. And we have already played some gems, as you might guess. Uh, Cruising I think in this... the fucking USA. Oh, good <laughs> lord. I think this week is Blast Core, is it, is going it on? It is, yeah. I think that's that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's not, yeah. It's, not, it's not too bad. Um, so you get to... 2017. Yeah, to, to see that and uh, all the other N64 games we've covered so far. Some are better than others, spoilers. Uh, Thursday is the day this podcast comes out. It's the only thing we released that day because Lord knows it's two hours or plus of content. You, you you don't need any more time taken up by us on your Thursday. And Friday uh, is Friday Plays, which is the solo series I do where I'm playing through something. And uh, we are going through the part one of the finale of Life is Strange this week. Uh, I, I finished it all last week and I, I'm kind of carving up those videos now to start putting out in the next couple of Fridays so you can follow along as I get really really depressed as that game finishes up um, yeah that's going to do it for another episode of Link to the Cast for myself Dave Ryan for Mark Robinson and uh, Peter and Sam here on the line uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week <laughs>